Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome. Welcome, fellow Wizards of Joy, to the IGA Lunch Hour. It is an unstructured, open forum where we sit down to eat together and chat with members of the Indie Game Academy community. We cover how to start Indie Game Studios, as well as video game design, development, and more. This is an unedited recording of our weekly event we host on Discord on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, so feel free to swing by and join for the next one. I'm your co-host, Willem Dalventhal, headmaster of IGA. And I'm your co-host, David Doan, assistant headmaster of IGA. And so, what is everyone eating today, Gwen and John? Whipping up sweet potato pie. Ooh! <laughs> That's quite the extravagant lunch. I had a big breakfast this morning and a little bit late, so I'm just having apples and peanut butter. Uh, just tea right now. Ah. Yeah. I'm on coffee. I did, I did cereal earlier, because it's... Uh, Earlier in my time zone. Yeah, indeed. It's nine o'clock for David right now. He's the real he's the real dedicated half of this show. <laughs> so, uh, Gwen, especially since we're recording now, you were just talking a little bit about your prototypes. I wondered if you could describe, um, you know, what the plan was and what you guys are actually building, how far you've come, etc. Well, they're both uh, narrative-based resource management games where you get asked to make choices, and the choices you made will um, increase or decrease your morale or your health or things like that. And um, currently, the prototype is just a choice tree. It doesn't currently track the variables yet, but you can make the decisions, and it tells you what's going to happen um, when you make the decisions. Super interesting. Yeah, that's... That's a, um, you know, we talked about that in class together, but that is a, a, like, hot tip for anybody who's trying to make prototypes. When you're working on your own time and you have a, you know, longer time budget than we allow in IGA Level 3, which is just three months to build a game, um, you can spend more time to actually make functional variables or whatever else. But, uh, you know, the, the, the goal, as we all know, but for anybody who might be listening to this, the goal of a uh, prototype is always to prove a concept. Uh, in the most efficient way possible. Because if it takes you a long time to make a sleek, sexy prototype, then you might as well have just been building the real game. The point of a prototype is, you know, to prove that something is valid and interesting. So, Gwen, it sounds like what you're doing is, instead of having, you know, saved states of various variables, which I would love to hear about what those are, you're just kind of telling the player that they, like, got coins or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's a real way to do it. Yeah, that's a good way to do a prototype because it's it's fast and functional. Mm-hmm. And you'll still be able to get some of the sort of emotional test from the player. Can you tell us I about... I know people well enough that I know that if you tell them, oh, you lost 10 gold, they will go, oh, no, I lost 10 gold, even if there's literally nothing keeping track of how much gold they have. <laughs> Absolutely. We actually, uh, so Tailbore, uh, which we've talked a little bit about before, that's the, um, 
sort of a half video, half board game uh, where you are exploring a dungeon. In our very first public user test, we did exactly that, actually, now that I think about it. There was no tracking of how much money or experience you had, but at the end of the scenario, we told you that you got 100 gold and 100 experience points, and we still got a little bit of a reaction. People would be like, ooh, cool, can I buy stuff in the future? You know, and that's how we knew <laughs> it was valid. <laughs> can you tell me about these prototypes? What are the two games that you guys are working on? Um, the one is called What the Sea Wants, and it's a horror game. You're on a pirate ship. It's been infected by a mysterious illness that's spreading amongst the crew. You have to get back to harbor before everyone dies. Is it COVID-19? And the other one is called... It is not COVID-19. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is a creepy fungus that's growing over the ship. Ah. And the um, other one is called Moon Tyrant. It's a comedy game. You are running uh, a lunar orbital base, and you have to make it the last you know, 200 days to retirement without like going crazy and <laughs> managing all your um, you know, uh, crew squabbles and uh, all those things like that's awesome. Do you have a gut reaction on which of the two you think is the most like viable? They're both very viable because they have functionally the same core loop, mm-hmm. which is we can build the same code base and then just reskin it, which with uh, whichever game we end up deciding to do, which is uh, I think pretty much what we're building right now. Very efficient oh, use of time. A, that's quite a useful one since. Uh... For our team, we have like various uh, diverging ideas that require slightly diverse code bases. Mm-hmm. Like one is a uh, planetoid shapers based on a uh, Trevor's idea, mm-hmm. which is. Oh no! A Kirk's luminescence, which involves like. A maze sort of collection with more gimmicks to do to navigate the maze. The main gimmick is the uh, light changing intensity, the intensity mm-hmm. switcher. And uh, I implemented both of them straight from their paper prototypes, and they are functional. Nice. And, and basically, from my experience in prototyping, the importance of reusing code, copy and paste code from here to there. It's an excellent way to do it. And also, use use GitHub, <laughs> as I posted several times, to encourage to make their repository. And with GitHub Desktop, it becomes much easier for anyone to commit those changes. Yeah. And I also... Trevor and I yesterday went over GitHub together, and the most useful feature of GitHub is to create issues where you put them <laughs> in category, assign who does what. Oh, I see. That will come very handy. Yeah. Yeah, GitHub is a tremendous collaboration tool. When you, when you said create issues, I thought you meant, like, GitHub's primary value is that it makes more problems for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I understand what you mean now. Uh, welcome, Chase. Uh, just to warn you, we are recording this episode. We may be putting this up onto a podcast. We're hoping we can consistently do that. But uh, hi, welcome. He's not there. <laughs> hi, Chase. Hopefully, hopefully you're listening. Uh, 
I see you unmuted. We can't hear you if you're talking, although I'm I'm sure you're saying wonderful things. Uh, so I um the process that you know we go through at IGA this prototyping process. I wondered if one of the two of you, Gwen or John or Chase, if you could figure out your audio, um, would like to talk about you know why or or I guess like how you will use this going forward. Do you think you're going to be including prototyping and the way that we've done it, the concept funnel? Um, or the stage gate model, if you'll include that in your own projects moving forward. Well, uh, I'll likely say that when we do move forward with a game prototype, it's like if it involves more gimmicks, then we'll have to test small things and that they have to work independently without breaking the main core game loop. Like, Luminescence involves more mechanics on top of it. That means more core loops to consider, whereas mm-hmm. the whereas the uh, Planetoid Shaper has a single core loop and goal, which makes it very easy. And the only features that we have to worry is, like, only adding stuff that ties in the core loop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, if, it, if we base it on... Uh, efficiency and expansion then uh planetoid then planetoid uh, shapers would be the winner going forward but if there's potential to make it a good enough game mm-hmm. but the content is small mm-hmm. then luminescence would we would have to go forward that while uh trying to split up the programming work amongst a few colleagues gotcha well that's great yeah i think it is um in fact, that video that we watched from the Game Maker's Toolkit, um, the the one thing that fresh developers don't do, their one mistake, I think is what he called it, um, is just not prototyping, not testing out concepts. This is such a simple thing that you can do early on. Just spend a little bit of time, you know, dedicate 10, 20% of your total time box to just like testing or your game concepts. Even small ideas in yeah. production and integrate it back. Absolutely, yeah. Test out, you know, is this a this new way of doing a menu that we're thinking about? Is that worth doing? Let me build a quick prototype just to test and see if people understand it better as a result. Totally, totally reasonable. Um, so I guess, does, does anybody have any questions that you guys want answered? Why are people using GitHub versus uh, Unity Collaborate? You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I I am not sure how far they have come with Unity Collaborate. So, um, you know, maybe maybe progress has been made. But I tried Unity Collaborate myself on a contracting job that I did. Um, how long ago was that now? I guess three years or so. And it made me pull my hair out. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just like, you know, it's them doing some horizontal movement as a business, trying to take over a couple of other business models, which is, you know, all businesses kind of do that. But I just don't think they did a very good job of it versus GitHub is dedicated to making like a really, you know, excellent Git experience. And they've been doing it about as long as anybody has. Um, so GitHub is just like flawless and Unity Collaborate is kind of meh. Um, I don't know if you have other thoughts I'm on that, David. I'm sure that the uh, Collaborate tools are slightly improved by now, but the other thing that really sets us back is the price point if you add more than three members. On Unity Collaborate? Oh, they... I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's mm. a price subscription price if you add 
more than three members on a, on a game project. That's well, there you go. Really, and yeah. Also, <laughs> if, and also one thing, if you're going to use the Git for UD, it's important that you get, that you look up Git Ignore Unity, and there's a common template to use for the Git Ignore and you slightly modify the git ignore so that you can use it on unity projects that way you can avoid an excessive boatload of irrelevant data that is a really good secret point i have long considered if we need to have a dedicated section talking about github in iga level three um and as of right now there is no dedicated section but GitHub is a whole bag of worms, and a Git ignore is one of those things that, like, no one tells you at first, and you're like, every single time I push, I have to push a thousand files, and then the minute you add a Git ignore, it's so much better. <laughs> of course, and that's what uh, that's what we, Team Rogue, will discuss today. That's awesome for our open session meeting, so that. Everyone gets caught up with Unity long-term support version mm -hmm. and the GitHub. There is a GitHub desktop, which makes the common features of push, pull, commit very easy for the end user. Yeah, I did work. Uh, I am working with command line uh, Git a lot in my full-time job. Mm -hmm. So at least it's down to repetition of the commands. Yeah, it's great that there's a desktop version of GitHub that works as smooth as the command line equivalent. <laughs> Although the command line does make you feel like you're in the matrix, doesn't it? Barely. <laughs> That's great. Uh, anybody else have questions about Git, about game design, about game development, or anything like that people have learned recently that they think was interesting? Well, we're on Unity Collaborator. We'll see if we live to regret that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's as bad as it once was. Uh, and, you know, part of me feeling like it was bad is probably just because I was used to Git, you know, GitHub. Um, but, yeah, I definitely, at the time, uh, you will... So 90, 95% of the time with Git, everything will be great, and it will be magic, and it will do so much amazing stuff for you. But that 5% of the time, awful things happen. Like, crazy things. <laughs> um, and they're the, really... We, yeah. Like, in the very final, like, week of uh, Alien Age, there was some, like, GitHub glitch conflict where, like, basically Dan lost, like, mm -hmm. three or four days worth of work yeah. and changes to, like, especially to the UI that he then had to redo because he just couldn't recover it. Yep. Yeah. But, like, the rest of the time... That didn't happen. Of course, it happened, like, the last week. <laughs> That's miserable. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Like I said, most of the time, Git is amazing. I mean, all of the time, Git is amazing. It really is, like, magical wizardry. Um, but that 5% that of the time where you do run into a problem, um, it's really nice to have a tool set that, uh, you know, a Git editor, a Git client that has enough tools to figure out the majority of those problems um, and at least with Collaborate, when I was using it, and once again, this was three years ago, it didn't feel like it had those tools. Um, I actually personally use SourceTree, which is free, although you do need to sign up for an account, which is always a little bit annoying. Um, 
It is, I think, not as user-friendly as GitHub's local client, but it has a little bit more under the hood so you can play around with errors and conflicts and stuff. Um, I've got a question from Chase here. Uh, Chase's audio is not working, but he's texting us stuff. Uh, so he says, there seems to be a lot of conversation about the Unity engine. I was curious what the benefits are when using Unity as compared to other similar engines, or is it entirely up to preference? This is a topic I kind of understand. Each engine has their own pros and cons, but I wanted to know if there are some aspects that maybe aren't as well known. Great question, and this is definitely one that we get asked and consider a lot. Um, have you, uh, David, have you always used the Unity engine? Um, no. So, going back to, like, school days, uh, the very first game we made was actually in a long-dead program now called uh, Director X. Oh, I don't even know that one. (laughs) Yeah, it was, like, some, like, other Adobe product kind of meant to be, like, similar Uh, to Flash, but somehow worse. Um, My second year, we used an an open-source engine called... uh, cube cube root something like that Mm. it was like a german engine but like it basically like was like an out of the box like first person shooter engine where you also use like cubes to make your own levels oh interesting um and basically you could just like swap out assets and textures really easily so like for like a student project where we only had like two months that was great Mm -hmm. uh my final year we did use unity but then actually for the game we released on Steam, because it was an adventure game, we used Adventure Game Studio, mm-hmm. uh, which is just like, it's obviously just custom built for adventure games specifically. Interesting. Yeah, did you do you have any preference at this point, given that you have um, used those ones after using those ones? I mean, I think, uh, I think a lot of it just depends on like the skills you have on your team and what you're making Mm -hmm. like cube was great for us because we just didn't we we didn't have a lot of engineering people handy so like having most of the work basically already done was Mm -hmm. great um and like that way we could also churn out a bunch of levels very easily because it was just like all right let's just place stuff here and there and like put on textures um Adventure Game Studio was great because obviously, like, I think in total we had, like, 1,400 lines of dialogue in our adventure game. And Adventure Game Studio has, like, custom, like, designed tools for, Mm -hmm. like, conversation trees and, like, dialogue management and all of that stuff. So, like, it was just, it was the right tool for that job. Right. Um, So, so our team should probably be looking into that tool, shouldn't we? Potentially. Um... I mean, uh, I'm not sure how active Adventure Game Studio stuff is anymore. Um, yeah, I think... But the... here, I will, I will share a quick link to it in uh, general. Yeah. And, and for okay. those who those who are listening, uh, you know, come by to the actual Discord so you can get those links in real time. <laughs> um, yeah, my, so my thoughts on this one, the reason, that, um, the reason that the Indie Game Academy exclusively uses Unity at this point... Uh, is largely just because of accessibility of Unity. Um, so I've said this stat before, and I and uh, for anyone who who already knows it, you know, you'll be hearing it again. But it it really is a pretty impressive stat. Sixty uh, percent of new games. I'm not talking mobile. I'm not talking Switch. I'm not talking Xbox. New games. All games are built in Unity. Uh, and the leading competitor is Unreal Engine, which is at about fifteen percent. 
So there are. Yeah, I'm not surprised since. Uh, yeah. Unity <laughs> is nice and lightweight enough. It actually, yeah, I mean, I, it's, Unity is compatible with almost every exactly store and everything. The thing yeah. is, uh, we actually looked into releasing our game on Unreal, and Unreal is still curated. You have to get approved by mm -hmm. Epic to be on their store. Yeah, like you can put Unreal games on other stores, but if you want to be on the actual Epic store, you have to get Epic to say yes. Which is interesting. That's sort of a different business model for them trying to compete with Unity. Um, but, but regardless, the reason that that matters the most is because then you get the most support. Um, if you copy and paste an exact problem and you have no idea what the problem is actually saying, a, a bug or whatever, onto Google, you will find someone who has done it 15 times and will tell you exactly how to do it. Um, and that's the big reason to use Unity in my mind at this point. Um, I actually think that some of what Unreal is doing right now is super fascinating. Like they're trying to pivot into movies I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about how uh the mandalorian actually used unreal engine to render their backgrounds and a lot of their shots which is like crazy um like they did it in real time it wasn't some sort of post cgi effect um but uh i haven't messed around with unreal engine recently enough to say to change my opinions on the two but having messed around with it uh in the past couple of years i still prefer unity um although i'm sure there's a large amount of bias there because i've just used it so much It really is like, um, it just supports a lot. You can, I mean, you build one game in Unity and there's still a fair amount of translation and individual bugs you'll get per platform, but you can export to freaking anything in Unity. And then there are packages for everything else. You can find a package that gives you an adventure game in the asset store. You can find a package. This is actually a thing. Do you guys remember the TI-84 calculator? You can export your game for the TI-84 calculator, guys. <laughs> Because why not? I'm waiting for the IGA student who does that. Theme. What's that? Do they still make kids buy those? I think they do, yeah. It's a racket. <laughs> TI-84 is a small square screen. Yeah, and it has no color, and it only... I don't know what the resolution is, but low. <laughs> Although, saying that, I just spent like $300 on a play date, which is basically... <laughs> Me too! <laughs> <laughs> The Playdate is super interesting. Although Sorry, we, I've got a mouthful of Apple. Playdate is like custom built to be a game thing. Like yeah. the, the calculator was always just like, this is what we do in math class when we're bored. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so much of, um, so many of my classes were just playing that one. Do you guys remember that one game where like you were a little dude who picked up blocks and put them in different places to like... Oh, the block guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best game ever. <laughs> Should do a TI eighty four game jam. That would be really cool. Holy shit! Although I wonder, I don't nobody think has I, the calculators anymore. Yeah, I don't know if I have mine. I might actually back in Georgia in our. We have a storage unit over there. I think I do have it. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Well, right. kids still have them because they're not allowed to just use their phones in math class. Yeah. So they still have to buy this like three hundred dollar. 20-year-old calculator yeah. just to like, graph, you know, sine waves and stuff. Which is insane. <laughs> like, the TI-84 is really impressive. Like, the, the stat I heard, this is way back in the day. These days, it, that doesn't matter. But uh, the amount of processing power that the entire NASA team used to send the first lander to the moon was, a, was less than uh, what a TI-84 is capable of, a single TI-84. 
That sounds maybe impressive, except that these days, a smartphone is like 20,000 more higher, I don't know what the actual measurement would be, but, you know, more powerful of a processor than a TI-84 is. It really is silly. Anyway, we're <laughs> off topic a little bit. Anyway, I have more questions about game design, game development, starting indie studios, publishing games, releasing stuff. So, uh, what? So, if you are gonna go solo, yeah, and I'm gonna ask again for this podcast. And uh, how is? What are some benefits of running your own uh, limited liability company of mm. going solo? Yeah, so I want to be very clear. I didn't say this last time. I will be careful to always say this. These are my opinions. This is not legal advice. So you should talk to a lawyer. (laughs) However, um, in my experience and my understanding, the absolute biggest thing is legal protection. So technically, when somebody... Hey, Andy, what's up? Um, Sorry, I'm late. No problem. Uh, So technically, if somebody were to be playing your game and somehow injures themselves, we are... We are less liable than a lot of like hardware companies, for instance, because it would be pretty hard to be able to prove that somehow a video game made you break your leg or something. But, you know, theoretically, that's possible. Well, there's the whole there's the whole Pokemon Go walked into yeah. traffic. Actually, uh, that is a great example. Might have the big, yes. I have that splash screen when the game loads of like, seriously, don't walk into traffic. Yes. Play this game. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's real. Like, you do actually have to care about that. So so let's say that happens. Someone's playing your like amazing mobile game, John and they walk out into traffic and manage to break their leg, um, technically, they can sue you. So if you are a what's, what's called a sole proprietor, which is basically like no legal protection, you're just releasing games by yourself. If they sue you, the money they can take from you, if they win, is your money, whatever you have in your bank account, etc. If you have an LLC, they can only take what the LLC owns, and they cannot take anything from you. So the LLC will have its own bank account, for instance, and its own assets. Um, so it is a, a layer of defense against the crazy, ridiculous nature of our legal system at this point. And once again, that's just my opinion and my understanding, not legal advice. <laughs> uh, I think I got this working. <laughs> what's that? Oh, hey, what's up, Chase? I think I got it working. <laughs> That's good. We can hear you. Welcome. Anybody else have questions? Oh, yeah, go ahead. This is the moral of the story based on what I heard. Don't make mobile games. (laughs) Well, that can happen with any product. I mean, so for for an example, actually, um, when I was working on Mew and Me, those are the video games for cats, uh, an avenue that we were exploring for revenue generation was giving dedicated Mew and Me tablets to cat cafes. Um... And we had to write up, we, we had to spend like two grand. It was not cheap. We had to write up a pretty thorough end user license agreement for those cat cafes that basically said, if we somehow injure a cat, we're not liable. Uh, because the lawyers, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? Like, we need this? And the lawyers are like, yeah, like, what if the cat pees on the charging cable? And I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, I guess, <laughs> you know, technically. technically it could happen. Yeah. And, and and so I, I recommend, uh, once again, not legal advice, just to be very clear. I, I don't think you need a legal entity until you're actually starting to interact with a significant number of users and a significant amount of money. Um, and by significant, I mean, you know, a couple, uh, couple hundred u- monthly users, um, maybe even a little bit more than that. You know, I, I don't think it's, it costs you a reasonable amount of money to start 
a legal entity, including an LLC. In California, it's 800 bucks. Um, but it does protect you. So so the minute you're starting to feel like, ooh, maybe I'm in some sketchy territory, you should start one. Not legal advice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any other questions? Or what are people working on? I would love to just hear some of what people's projects are right now. Um, I'm working on 3D um, pixel art stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen some of those. So what what is this for? Is this just like you're kind of turning away or are you working with somebody right now? Can you tell me more about it? Oh, I'm a... This is just a little solo thing. Originally, it was for a game jam. But due to other stuff, I couldn't use it for that game jam. So I've just been tinkering with it. Okay. <laughs> Where I'm just working on a, sim, a 3D game with pixel art. Yeah. graphics it's just a simple arcadey experience nice that's great who are you like targeting this at who do you think will play this game i mean that's kind of a hard thing to figure out <laughs> right now true because i guess if it's a really arcadey game mm-hmm. i guess it'd mostly just be a thing where it probably would last like be a long play time yeah good to pick up and play Mm -hmm. just like off and on but i don't know a specific demographic yet gotcha yeah i mean it sounds like you know your primary objective for this game is uh enjoyment and learning and practice and that's totally legit um but i i i think another thing that indie developers will often not think about is some of the very simple business questions and i think one of the most important and one of the simplest you can ask is just who is this for who is the ideal user or ideal client um, and so if you can answer that and, and validate that, do some testing, put it up in front of people and see what they think, um, you are oh, 10 steps ahead from the typical indie developer. Norm, I have a game design question. Yeah, do it. The, uh, the game that you posted in discord in the general channel with the, uh, yeah. from Android subreddit mm-hmm. where the, some guy made a game where spinning a ball around and shoots out. Yeah. Well done. Great. Great little simple idea. Yeah. Um, it struck me watching that that you know that's the perfect kind of game that an IGA three group mm-hmm. should aim to make, and that's precisely not the type of game that <laughs> any of us ideated. And so, I guess my question is this: you know, when I compare games like that, and you know, more abstract things like Tetris, I, some I was thinking about, I was reflecting on that. You know, some of the best games are are kind of abstract and dreamlike and mm-hmm. weird and very it only can exist in the video gaming world like vvvv and things like that yeah and you know whereas the ideas i'm coming with are very like pedestrian like mm-hmm. you know oh you're a police officer oh you're uh it's the role of a supermarket clerk you know whatever mm-hmm. what would do you think there's any good way to learn or or attune oneself more to making something like that rather than so just, making something more abstract I, yeah 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 mm-hmm. to 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 be how could one better be better put themselves in a position to come up with the tetris mm. rather than just coming up with grand theft auto which is mm. you know that's a great question um you know i can i can, I can make a suggestion yeah here. do it one one of the things that my team was doing um we were looking like for a while we looked at like old like um, jacks 
which is like an actual like physical game people used to play and like whether or not we could create a digital version of that uh we looked at like uh marble sculptures which is like where you drop a marble and it does a bunch of cool stuff we were thinking like can we make that into a game mm -hmm. like one thing that you can do is take like old real world games and think about how you can make a video game version of that mm. because those are obviously often very very simple games um that you can then add a lot to as you want mm. i love that yeah i i think um i think with anything uh full immersion is sort of the way to go so you know david is talking about immersing yourself in these old school games that may lend to something um i think that's a great way to do it i i think just like you, you tend to like just like um they say that writers the best thing that a writer can write is the thing that they want to read i think it's the same thing for game developers like the best thing the best game that a game developer is going to make is the game that they they want to play um so by full immersion, get yourself started playing a lot of those games. Um, you know, just look up a lot of those games. And uh, um, and somebody just came to my window that was very distracting and concerning. Uh, anyway, start playing a lot of those games and get yourself immersed in that world. And then I think like the other one that I would, well, we've all said this before, IGA does this a lot. Just do some game jams. Um, game jams are such an excellent way to force yourself into some sort of criteria for ideation that makes you come up with interesting ideas like this one we posted. Oh, cool. Thank you both. Yeah. Anybody else have like opinions on that or ideas on that? Any members of the community have advice for Andy? I think one other, one other thing to say um, is just like, while I think wanting to make a game like that is, is totally legit like heck yeah um also um whatever games you come up with uh, sort of naturally from your core are generally going to be the games that you build best if that makes sense so um trying to like force yourself into a different context than you care about um i don't know always creates the best content anyway so, like, you know, this guy maybe came up with something that looks super interesting compared to your concepts, but he might be looking at your concepts and he's like, wow, how do I come up with games like Andy does? <laughs> I have a question. I was going to say... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say also, like, a mechanistically high concept always feels very stylish, but hmm. it's not everything. You think about, like, how many platformers there are. Yeah. And nobody, like, sees a cool new platformer and goes, like, oh, another game where you, like, <laughs> run around a 2D space and jump on stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is just Mario with different graphics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think so, that's good. Like, taking our... Like, well, I mean, that's, like, 90% of games that get made, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, we all we all stand on the shoulders of past masters, um, but you know, there. I think you just. I think playing games is going to lead to new ideas. So so play a lot of games, Andy. And also, you know, we all know this because we were in the lecture. But for anyone who may be listening, um, Aaron Namoyton, one of the professors that we brought in to teach our IGA Level Three program, uh, who's a game designer at Yago Studios and has worked another other a couple of other big uh, games. He talked about coming into game ideas under three core premises, um, uh, mechanics, premise, and story. So what is a unique mechanic I can use to come up with an idea? 
which I think is what you're talking about, Andy, at least with this game idea that we posted in the Discord. Um, he was like, what about a mechanic where you use circular momentum to launch a ball? Like, that's where he started, probably. And maybe there was some prompt in the game jam that that caused him to come up with that idea. Um, so maybe just ruminate on Aaron's um, top three ways to break into a game idea, mechanics, premise, and story, um, and see how you can use those to come up with something fresh. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions? It was a good topic of conversation. Thanks, Andy. Uh, this is a silly one, but the lack of anything else coming up. Yeah. Is there any game, and I'll, I'll give mine, and you can go with yours. Please. Is there any game that you've played that you most wish you had been the one with your <laughs> name on it? Mine is Portal. Nice. Portal 1. Yeah. And that's just because it is, to me, like this beautiful short which i love like four to six hours game of wit and amazing design and um the ending just leaves left me in a state of just like wow this is just a work of art yeah and i was <laughs> i was privileged to meet some of the creators of portal and give them my appreciation that's great you, you go now yeah what game would do you wish that you had made uh, well, I'd actually, I, I definitely have one, but um, David, I wondered if you had anything you wanted to say here. Are there any games that you were like, dang? I mean, I guess it would probably be the game that, like, ultimately, I think, inspired me to go into game development, mm -hmm. um, which would actually be uh, Black and White 2 ah, uh, by Lionhead Studios. Interesting. Um, after I played Black and White 1... I think Black and White 2 was, like, the first game where, like, I actually followed all of its development. Like, I regularly checked their website for, like, updates and new screenshots and stuff like that. And, like, participated in the forums. And, like, when it was coming out, like, I saved up money and got myself a new computer so that I could play it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, like, you know, I... I moved to the UK for college, but part of the original reason that I was thinking about living in the UK is because Lionhead Studios was there. Hmm. Um, so I would say, like, if, you know, if I had a time machine and I could go join, you know, any game development team, I would probably want to go go join that team. <laughs> That's a great answer. That is a great answer. Well, my, mine is uh, mine is Witchbrook because I came up with that idea and they stole it from me. <laughs> <laughs> not actually uh but <laughs> um so at the time that i at least first heard about witchbrook and it was kicking around before this but at least when i first ran into it um my studio the delve bros were just in their ideation phase for what would eventually become tailmore the uh, augmented reality board game um dungeon crawling board game but one of our top ideas in fact the one that performed best in market testing best on facebook ads was what we called at the time we just called it uh, wizard crossing where the idea was to take Animal Crossing-like gameplay and theme it with uh, Harry Potter. Basically have a wizarding school that you get to just sort of, like, take care of and turn into whatever you want it to be and make, like, a weird magical setting and, like, maybe do some fighting of monsters and stuff like that. 
Um, and we were imagining it to make it more realistic. We were imagining it uh, stylized very similarly to Stardew Valley. Uh, and then like 15 seconds after we tested that idea, uh, we saw Witchbook for the first time, which for those who don't know, is made by the people who made Stardew Valley uh, and is essentially exactly that idea. <laughs> it's Stardew Valley meets Wizards. And we were like, well, damn, I guess we're probably not building that one. <laughs> I take it. Um, I, I personally haven't heard of which book, but I'm looking yeah. at the website. I take it, it it took off. It's a fairly popular like mobile game. It's not actually out yet. Um, but oh, okay, okay, yeah, it's had some. It looks it looks sharp. Yeah, it's had some really like promising initial uh, sort of validity tests, as we would call it. It's it's taken off and been gone viral a couple of different times. Um, so I'm sure they they have a substantial user base who are ready to eat it up once it actually comes out. Which, by the way, if, if you guys aren't doing that, uh, we're going to talk about that soon in the IGA Level 3 program. But for anyone who's listening, if you are building a game and expecting to release it to nobody and have people play it, um, you're going to be sad. <laughs> so start building your community <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, I actually... I've got a game that... I've got a question that's yeah. a little bit more um, philosophical. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about replayability. Mm. This is me coming from like the um, world of fiction, right? Okay. I come from books. I don't come from games. Yeah. Um, and we talk a lot about replayability. And when you talk about replayability, um, it's usually things like, you know, does a game have like multiple different endings? Does it have like a lot of different game states that you might find? So, mm -hmm. so something different happens, yeah. you know, um, or is it just really hooky? Is it, um, you know, is it a, like a mobile game or something that's really addictive or something? Um, sure. And when I think about actually games that I have replayed, that's not necessarily what their main factors were, mm -hmm. right? Like I played Gone Home multiple times. Like I played Thomas Was Alone multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like I, and in the book world, obviously rereadability is a thing but it has nothing to do with how different the experience will be each time it's always the same it's entirely just a re a book that people want to reread is one that gave them a really compelling experience and makes them want to have the same experience again mm -hmm. uh, i can uh, answer a little part of that with passive uh, mediums hmm. like movies pictures and uh, books and writings you yeah. could always do like sort of a critical essay analysis style, which get to view viewpoints intersect with them as stuff tied to philosophical. That goes like uh, too far into, and it's more towards like the dedicated studiers and whatnot. As for the video game part replayability, it's an active sport, and video games are active mediums. For physical sports, you'll want to improve your game so you can optimize how you're going to deal with different strategies. Mm. For video games that, are, that have to design around this replayability idea is that have to be able to allow a great deal of choice so that the player can casually get through at first, but then the has to be carried around enough so that the player can notice how they can improve themselves, try again until they can get as close to the highest optimal point. 
Yeah. Conversely, yeah. when there's more replayability, the dedicated audience to reach the top gets smaller and smaller, and that's the way things naturally go. Hmm. That's really, John, I think that's really interesting, and I this is a great question, um, and I think that there's no, I can give you some of the hard and fast rules on how people typically engage replayability. Um, one of the, uh, so I have a book, I've mentioned this in class before, um, but once again, in case people are listening who aren't in class, um, I have a book I've been reading called Game Thinking by Amy Jo Kim, which is right in my wheelhouse. It's video games meets business, basically. Um, and she has this great line where she talks about um, like what a video game is. She says successful games all have something in comic. The uh, excuse me, the successful games have uh, all have something in common: the intrinsic joy of skill building. If the level of challenge increases to match your evolving skill, you've got a setup for flow. Um, and I think I think that there are a million ways that you can increase replayability. Um, John, it's interesting that you mentioned movies, for instance. I just rewatched Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, the Miyazaki movie, last night for the first time in I don't know five, six to eight years. And I cry- cried like a baby. You know, I've seen this movie a dozen times. It was a huge part of my own childhood. Um, and so I know every little thing that happens. And it's still so beautiful. And I still picked up things that I didn't pick up before. Um, and I think, I think some, of the, some of the non-traditional techniques are just like making sure that there are intriguing things for you to find, um, but not forcing the player to find them. Um, like in a Metroidvania, one of the common techniques is foreshadowing. You'll show a missile upgrade in a place where you can't get to it to make sure the player remembers that missile upgrade. And then they go and find some new, you know, jump ability. And they're like, oh, that missile upgrade, I'm going to go get it. That's a little bit of like depth of play, which can lend to replayability. Um, but they're, they're, they're not necessarily forced, I guess, to find that missile, but they're still like strongly encouraged. The gameplay designer intended you to go find that missile in the very first playthrough. Um, versus I think just like giving a wealth of creating a wealth of a universe, a wealth of experience, um, in a game, uh, winds up making and delivering things that players don't find the first time through, like not expecting them to find everything the first time through, I think is part of the way that you do that. David, do you have any thoughts on replayability? I mean, again, I think some of it comes down to the, the genre you're making for. Um, like, I know I've, like, replayed several narrative games mm. multiple times that are not necessarily, like, about um, finding new things so much as, like, experiencing the story, like, a second time through and, like, catching a bunch of stuff I didn't catch the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, other games, like, you know, I... I still play certain RTSs over again because I actually like, I know them so well that I find it almost like meditative and peaceful to play them. Yeah. Um, even though like technically, you know, I'm having a war with AIs as I'm doing it. Um, I think, I think a lot of it, a lot of it is about who your intended users are mm-hmm. and what they're into, which is just going to be very different depending on what you're making. Mm-hmm. I think one more, Do- one more thing to throw in, Andy, uh, not to cut you off, but one more thing to throw in is the the humble engagement curve or difficulty curve, which we will talk about towards the end of the IJ Level 3 program. Um, but for, for anyone who isn't familiar with that, go looking for it. Um, literally imagine like a plotted curve, something like a sine curve. I often talk about the ascending sine curve, which is a sine curve that increases its Y height over time. Um, 
when you create, when you when you think of or summarize the difficulty of a video game or how much um, like excitement there is at any moment, which is what we would more call an engagement curve, um, just creating a, a straight line upwards or a linear line upwards is a pretty boring experience if it just continues to get more exciting every second for the entire gameplay time period. Um, and if instead you vary that excitement over time, you get a much more interesting in-depth experience. Um, and I think like simple tips like that, which will increase the engagement the first time, but also make sure that your experience is varied if you do come back to play again, um, is part of the way you build replayability as well. Um, Andy, you were going to say something? I wanted to ask David, what are his favorite RTS games? Oh. <laughs> um, so like... I think Age of Empires 2 is a good staple of the whole genre. Um, I still occasionally play, like, Age of Mythology over again. Um, I've been... Lately, I've been messing around with some more uh, recent, like, indie RTSs that have been popping up, uh, like The Castled, and then there's... uh, I think it's Kings and Castles. I've downloaded a couple of others I haven't even played yet because I have so many games to play. (laughs) Um... I also, uh, I do like uh, certain city builders too, like uh, City Skylines is a great game um, that has a lot of like the very like peaceful sort of fun elements of just like, yep, you're just building, yeah, um, which is nice. Yeah, I think, not, not to harp on replayability too much, but I... Oh, and, uh, yeah, sorry, Stellaris yeah. is also like a great like grand strategy game. Nice. Is strategy kind of your go-to, Have you David? played... Huh? Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, two people talked at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Have you played a Tooth and Tail? I have it. I, that's one of the ones I haven't opened. <laughs> oh, that's worth that's worth playing. That one is okay. extremely stripped down, extremely high difficulty. I <laughs> thought it was fantastic. The, okay, great. The sins of our Steam library. I feel like we all carry that sin. We all have games that we've opened for 15 seconds or maybe just zero seconds. Um, not to, yeah, I'm, uh, if you want to, if you want a narrative suggestion in exchange, uh, yeah. have you tried Oxen Free? Hmm. Oh, Oxen Free is fantastic. Yeah, there you go. I haven't that played. That is an excellent story. I, I, I thought that was one of my best, the best examples of realistic teen voice that I've seen in a game. I also really loved that, like, they incorporated the way they incorporated audio as a mechanic where like you actually have to be listening to the audio to solve several puzzles because mm. like you have to use radios and stuff to do it. Hmm. It also scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that was an intensely scary game. <laughs> that's really cool. I haven't tried either of those. That's uh, they sound like some suggestions. Actually, I, I think that's a great way. So we're coming towards the end of our, um, of our time together. Um, and therefore yeah, the, the and end I of the episode. Okay, sure. One more question, John. Quick one. Uh, for future Indie Game Academy sessions, yeah. What What is your vision for Indie Game Academy in five years? <laughs> John, I, I thank you for asking that. Yeah, um, you asked that last time, and I appreciate that. Now that we're recording, you asked again. Thanks, dude. Um, yeah, I love Indie Game Academy. Oh my god, I love it so much. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't love it. I mean, I always liked it. But I wasn't in love with it like I am now when I first started this program. And I, I feel like I fall, fall deeper in love with it and have a deeper obsession with it every day. I just love watching you guys take off. Um, so my vision for the Indie Game Academy are uh, two main things. 
One is I want this to be a stepping stone between sort of the educational world and the, you know, industry world. I want people to be break to be able to break into the industry and publish games. And I want to make that as accessible a process as possible. I want anybody to be able to publish games. Um, and I want to be able to help people who don't know how to get started do that. Um, the, the bigger, grander vision uh, is a true accelerator. Um, you know, we often say that our mission statement is empowering people to pave their own path, empowering the game creative to pave their own path. Um, so I want to be able to take somebody who has some weird idea for a game and go through a very traditional accelerator with them, give them the resources, the skills, actually remove those roadblocks or those, um, uh, you know, the, the, the things that might get in your way, roadblocks, I guess, uh, into actually publishing that video game. So I imagine what I hope for is almost the Y Combinator of video games, uh, a true startup accelerator for people in the game space, especially those trying to do interesting, unusual, unexpected things with their games. Um, that's, that's my dream. What about you, David? Do you have dreams for it? Five-year dreams for IGA? I mean, similar to you, like I'm hoping we we are just enabling people that want to start their own indie studios that like we help them understand like these are the steps you do it this is like how you set yourself up for success and stuff like i i started an indie studio straight out of college and i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> and like in retrospect i'm like it was so obvious but obviously like it's much easier now that i have you know several years of distance from that mm-hmm. um if, if there had been, like, an indie game academy for me then, I think it would have drastically changed how things turned out that first time. So I would I would just hope that in, that IGA will become that for people who yeah. are looking to do that now. And I want to get people money. Like, I want, you know, IGA, we're called the Wizards of Joy. We're all about utilizing games for unusual, incredible, good things. We're all about the power of video games to influence, impact, change people's lives. I want all of that. But it is also a reality that we live in a capitalistic system, and it is also a reality that all of us need dollars. Um, and so I want to be able to, we're, we're starting to do this, which is awesome. We have one team that we're already contracting out to somebody to build an app. We have another secret team, you guys are going to find out about that in about a week and a half, uh, who's building a video game under our guidance, um, a bunch of graduates. Um, so we're actually sort of experimenting with being a publisher as well. Like what, what I would dream of is that every person who leaves IGA level three you know, it's not necessarily making hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's unrealistic. But is at least getting their first, you know, partial success, their first game that makes a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars. Um, and that we have a plethora of jobs to be able to offer to you guys, the graduates, and a plethora of opportunities, you know, contracting roles, etc. Um, that would be just like, ooh, I'd love that. <laughs> We're starting to get there. Um, but I think, oh, go ahead. Was there one more statement? Yeah, Willem, before we end, yeah. what were you going to say earlier about replayability? Oh, you had a, th- a finishing thought. Did I have a finishing thought? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, for replayability, so the last statement, and then David and I are going to do our outro here. Um, for replayability, it really is quite an art form. There's a lot of tips out there. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the simple ones that I can say is that you want to have sort of four splits of where this gamer is and being able to support their level of ability um, for where this gamer is, their level of experience with your game. So you want to be able to support somebody who has never played your game before. You want to be able to support somebody who has a sort of introductory understanding of your game, who's played for a couple of hours. You want to be able to support sort of the average gamer who's put in 10, 20 hours. And you want to have a mastery track for the person who has spent hundreds of hours on this game. Um, So spending a moment to actually think about that 
what is the person who has spent hundreds of hours on this game going to be doing um, can can help with replayability as well, like just spending a moment to design a few features or something. Um, but I think, David, let's do our outro. I've got another call I got to jump on to. Uh, are, you, are you ready, David? And... Yes. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for the day, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for showing up with your questions, and thank you for having lunch with us today. If you enjoyed it, we ask that you send this podcast along to one other person and join us for the next one. There are instructions on how to join our Discord below. Bye-bye, everybody! Thank you. Yay! Awesome. Well, thank you guys for hanging out and asking questions and having a good time. Thanks, everybody. Bye, David. Yeah. All right. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. Live from a basement in Dubuque, Iowa. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. 30 minutes from the Field of Dreams and four hours from the closest professional sports team. It's not a lie if you believe it. On the banks of the Mississippi River. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. It's the Degenerate Sports Betting Show with Matthew Friedman. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now your host, Matthew Friedman. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Degenerate Sports Betting Show brought to you by TV and sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all the season-long and daily fantasy and sports betting content your degenerate heart desires, including my fantasy football write-ups and all of my NFL side totals and player props. Use the highly original promo code FRIEDMAN for 20% off of your FTN subscription. That is FRIEDMAN for 20% off at FTN. Although, I should say, I do think that uh, today for Cyber Monday... We have another promo, which is better than the Friedman promo. I think, Tom, if you can look that up, I'll just I'll just bring you on. Producer Tom, Thomas Viola, Sidekick on the Controls, Connoisseur, Pasta, Titan, and Tomato Sauce, Billy Joel Junkie, and Long-Suffering Jets fan, although now triumphant, temporarily triumphant Jets fan. Uh, Tom. Can you, can you really call it triumphant? We beat the, we beat the, we, we beat the Texans. It's better than not beating the Texans. Although, actually, you don't know because you don't have as good a draft position. But still, we'll say temporarily it's better than losing to the Texans. Uh, I'm done with care. The, the nice thing about this year's draft is that, like, we're not in the hunt for the number one pick. It's not mm-hmm. like a Trevor Lawrence year. Let me tell you, I was so upset when the Jaguars only won one game that season. We went out and won two meaningless ones at the end. Like, that was just, I was just, this is peak Jets. This the, mm-hmm. even. We couldn't even suck right. Like we okay. were even bad at being failures. Okay, I'm I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, Tom, at some point, you can probably look through all of the different. Uh, I've got it. You got yes. it. Yeah. 
People are going to want to use the code Cyber Monday, all one word, Cyber Monday, to get 33% off on their subscriptions. And guys, go do it now. It's for any package, FTN Bets, FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily. If you're a DFS player, it's awesome. If you're a better, it's awesome. If you're a normal fantasy player, awesome. There's so many tools here. There's stuff that helps me out with maybe not winning fantasy leagues because I'm having a terrible year. But at the very least, in terms of the betting, I mean, if you've been listening to this show, you should already know how useful those tools are. I'm literally printing money every week on prop bets now because of the prop shop. Uh, Tom, great job, by the way. Uh, Wanted to take us on a tangent before we get into the show. Let's say for every hundred listeners we have, how many of them do you think uh, don't know how to spell the word cyber? I have faith in our listeners. Cyber is a pretty easy word. Okay. So you think it's maybe only two out of the hundred who don't yeah, know how to spell I, the word I, I'd cyber? Say, I'd say we're rocking in the 98th percentile. Okay. All right. I I will be the pessimist. Uh, if there were any way we could bet on this, uh, we would bet on it because it is the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. All right, Tom. Uh, good job there. Oh, I should remind everyone. Thanks for checking out the show. Subscribe to the best TV channel on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. All right. It is Monday afternoon. We are going to dive into Monday Night Football. Uh, Tom, I am so checked out at this point of the season that I can barely remember who is playing tonight. But it is the Seahawks. It is the Washington football team. We're going to talk about that game. We're also going to look at the prop market. Tom, let's get into it. What are the lines? This one blows my mind a little bit. It opened Hawks minus three and a half. It's moved all the way to pick them here in Vegas. I, talking about a lack of closing line value, I'm I'm jumping on that. I, I'm sorry. Even gimpy, weird-handed Russell Wilson, I, I still feel like he's a better option, and I feel like he's one, he's one more week back now. Football team's terrible. Mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke's only good against the Bucs. He's serviceable, but... Even a Seahawks team that is this bad, I'm liking them in a pick spot. Yeah, so this line has fluctuated, and, and when it gets near zero, you know, the fluctuations back and forth really don't mean much. But uh, as Tom, as you mentioned, started minus three and a half. It actually moved to Seahawks plus one at one point, and even this morning it was available plus one at BetMGM, which is where I bet it. Now it's gone back to the other side. Seahawks are one-point favorites in this game as we are recording this. Although, if you look at the odds tool that we have at FTN Bets, you will see this game is a pick at Caesars. So if you are line shopping, looking for the best place to get on uh, to get on the Seahawks, you would do that at Caesars. If you're interested in Washington football team, plus one is available across the industry. I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the Seahawks. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson wasn't on the practice report at all this week. So hopefully his finger injury is no longer an issue. And to, to put some context on this, some teams are very um, very kind of by the book when it comes to their practice reports. Like if a guy is on the injury report when it comes to practice, he is legitimately injured, right? They will maybe have only four or five guys on their injury report in a given week. The Seahawks, everybody on the injury report like whatever it is like even the guys who are getting a veteran day off that will be marked on the injury report 
before practice. And so the fact that with Seattle having like literally 20 people on the injury report and Russell Wilson not being on the injury report, that feels kind of significant as in like this finger injury is no longer an issue because if it were even the slightest issue, it seems likely that he would be on the injury report just because of the practices of the team. Uh, the Seahawks are without three of their top four running backs. Chris Carson is on IR. Rashad Penny and Travis Homer, they are also out. So maybe we see the Seahawks pass more than they have been passing recently. Uh, you know, when I was betting this as uh, the underdog position for the Seahawks, Wilson is 24-12-2 against the spread as a regular season underdog for his career. It's a great matchup that he has going against a Washington defense that is number 31 and overall expected points added per play and drop back EPA per play. You know, if we're looking at this through the the fantasy lens, which I understand fantasy isn't the same as reality, but in a lot of cases, there is a lot of alignment between the two. And we see that this is a great matchup in reality going against the Washington defense. That's number 31. It's a great matchup for fantasy. The best matchup in terms of fantasy for any quarterback out there uh, and like best matchup by like three and a half fantasy points that really, I think, kind of uh, signifies the extent to which this is a spot in which Russell Wilson should be able to get right. He has struggled. The Seahawks have struggled in their two most recent games. Since Russell Wilson returned after their bye week, they scored zero points at Lambeau Field in week 10, just 13 points at home against the Cardinals in week 11. But this is a bounce back spot. I think Wilson returned too soon from the finger injury in week 10. Lambeau is a tough place to play. And then the Cardinals have a legit defense. There is a difference between the Packers and Cardinals on one side and the nameless Washington football team on the other side. I think the Seahawks should be favored. I think they should be favored by closer to three than the minus one that you see in the market right now. So even at minus one, I would still be betting on them. In fact, like I would say go to the money line if you're betting on them. You're, you're betting on them to win. But I think they should be favored by closer to a field goal than the minus one that we see right now. The total sits around 47 here in Vegas. That's what we're looking at this as the consensus line right now. And the Seahawks this season, granted it's a little skewed by the injuries that they've had, but they are the biggest under team in football. One and nine to the over. Yeah, this was one of my early bets last Sunday night. Uh, I got it at under 46 and a half. So not getting that closing line value, but still, you know, right in that neighborhood of where I was betting it. And yeah, depending on, uh, you know, the number that you're looking at, they're either one and nine in terms of their over under record or one, eight and one. Either way, either way, still the most underwhelming team, literally the most underwhelming team in the league. They have massively underwhelmed on offense. You know, some of that is what happens when Russell Wilson isn't your quarterback, but some of this it's systemic. It is the way that they call games. They want to rely on the running game. And then they have a middle of the road defense, you know, and in some capacities, uh, it feels like this defense is absolutely horrible and they're not great, right? Especially against the run. They are not good. Running backs are uh, scoring the second most fantasy points against this Seahawks defense. Again, not to blur fantasy with reality, but it's an indicator of how weak they are against running backs. But I think that also shows that teams are attacking them through 
the running game and the short passing game and not looking to exploit them deep. And that tends to drive games to the under. So under 47, I would bet that right now. And let's talk about the prop market a little bit here, Matt, because we we do have some options and you are the prop wizard. Um, Let's start off right in the quarterback props department. Passing yards, both quarterbacks projected for pretty much the same. Wilson, 243 and a half. Heineke, 242 and a half. Uh, I'm seeing here, though, based on our projections, maybe not a ton of value. Yeah, I'm not looking. You know, we've talked about this on previous shows with quarterbacks and their um, their yardage props. There tends not to be a lot of value there. Um, so I'm not looking at Russell Wilson at uh, Taylor Heineke for the passing, not really even looking at um, the pass attempts for Heineke. Uh, I don't believe that there is a, a prop in the market right now for pass attempts for Russell Wilson. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, because yardage and pass attempts are so correlated that when there is something off uh, in the projections or in the lines that you're seeing, the value tends to be more on pass attempts versus yardage. Um, as it is, I think these lines are pretty accurate. So I'm not looking right now at the passing yardage attempts. Well, let's talk about something that you might actually be looking at. QB rush yards, nothing really working there. But running back rush yards, J.D. McKissick at 19 and a half. And this is one you like. Yeah, you know what? Before we get to McKissick, I do want to say a quick thing about Heineke. Because um, he's an, he's an interesting player. He does have rushing ability, um, but he's inconsistent in how he chooses to deploy it. Like he doesn't run every game. Uh, some games he'll run for 40 yards, 50 yards. One game he had like 90 yards rushing. And then another game he'll have six yards rushing. So he's very volatile. If you look at his prop right now, it's 18 and a half. And, you know, I think there's some theoretical value there. But because he is so inconsistent week to week in how he runs or when he runs, I'm probably not betting this, even though I do lean towards the over. Uh, you know, like he has 28.8 yards rushing per game. That is skewed a little bit because of one big rushing performance. His median is 21. You know, so I do think there's there's a smidgen of value. Like, I think it's easy to look at a projection, look at his median, look at the prop that is out there and say, okay, there's value on the over. And I do think that there is a little bit of value there, but it's, it's not because of how volatile he is. It's not sufficient for me to be betting it, but I do want to mention it because I could see how people would look at that and would be interested in betting it. Now, Tom, you mentioned JD McKissick at bet MGM. I bet under 19 and a half yards rushing at minus 115 odds. Uh, McKissick had a season high 46 yards rushing last week, but he's not that much of a runner. He's had 18.2 yards rushing per game this year with a median of 12 and a half. I think this line is maybe four, five yards too high. Uh, and, you know, given that we're already on a relatively low number of 19 and a half, I do think that there is significant value there. So I do like McKissick under 19 and a half yards rushing. And how about some of the other running backs here? Alex Collins is at 43 and a half yards rushing at FanDuel. And a- a- any any takers? Yeah, I, I do like this one as well. I, I believe that it is actually bumped up. I bet it at 43 and a half. It's now at 44 and a half. I still think there's some value there. 
uh, and this is at FanDuel. I mentioned earlier, a slew of running backs are out for Seattle. Chris Carson is out with the, the neck injury. He's on IR. Rotational backs, Rashad Penny and Travis Homer, they are both out. Uh, Penny has the hamstring injury. Uh, Travis Homer has the calf issue. So it really is Alex Collins and DJ Dallas. And Dallas is not, I mean, he's he's literally the fifth string running back. He is not a guy that they're going to treat like Rashad Penny or like Travis Homer. He's not going to be, at least in my mind, rotating into a high degree. So this feels like the Alex Collins show for this game in the backfield at 44 and a half yards. I think that's a little bit low. The books aren't taking into account just the dearth of options in that Seattle backfield. I think this should be, we'll say four or five yards higher. So I do think that there's value there in going over Alex Collins, 44 and a half. How about the receivers? DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin. Uh, Metcalf's prop is right around where it should be at 63 and a half, but Terry McLaurin, uh, potential for the under here with the return of a couple other guys. Yeah, McLaurin is interesting. His number is 66 and a half. Um, I, I hate going under on McLaurin because he is just being targeted so voluminously by Heineke, like getting around 10 targets a game. And with that kind of usage, you would expect that a guy should be able to go over 66 and a half. Uh, right now, I want to make sure that I'm uh, consulting the most up-to-date projections that we have. Um, but yeah, the the number is where it was this morning. Uh, we have this projected lower than 66 and a half. And uh, I am not one to argue with the projections uh, that Jeff Radcliffe creates. Uh, Jeff is number one in the Fantasy Pros in-season accuracy contest for rankings, you know, on a yearly basis, he is one of the best, most accurate rankers and projection creators in the industry. So I, I tend not to uh, go against what Jeff says, um, but I just, with the volume he's been getting, I don't want to take the under on McLaurin. That said, I don't want to bet against Jeff, so I'm just staying away from this. Uh, we do have wide receiver Curtis Samuel expected to return. He's dealt with a core injury that's had him out for most of the season. He's expected to return and tight end Logan Thomas is expected to be uh, designated to return from the IR in time for tonight's game. So with those two guys returning, we could see McLaurin get fewer targets than he's had previously. But again, McLaurin is just such a volume monster that I would not want to be betting on his under. I don't want to bet against Jeff. So I think I think this is one where I'm just staying away. How about one you're not staying away on, though? Adam Humphreys. And that's the thing with these props. It's not so much about taking the big guys, the Metcalf, Lockett, McLaurin. It's about finding the guys with the lower totals where the line might have a little more breathing room. Yeah, Adam Humphreys. I mean, it's it's easy for me to be uh, negative on him. I feel like I've been negative on, negative on him for years, and somehow he, he finds a way to stick on rosters, but – now, with Curtis Samuel returning, with Logan Thomas returning, uh, I don't think there's as much room in that offense for Adam Humphreys. And then add on top of that, wide receiver DeAndre Carter, who was a really good small school college wide receiver and has made a niche for himself in the NFL as a return man. He has started to get more playing time this year, in part just because there were opportunities. There were other guys ahead of him injured on the depth chart, and Carter was able to get some playing time recently. 
And he's actually done pretty well with the opportunities that he's been given. I think he's more dynamic than Adam Humphreys. And so with Samuel returning, with Thomas returning, with DeAndre Carter starting to emerge a little bit, and I think Carter will steal some opportunities for Humphreys. I just don't think they're going to be the snaps, the routes, the targets going towards Adam Humphreys the way that we would have seen otherwise if Samuel and Thomas hadn't returned. So I'm going to be taking under 21 and a half yards receiving. I got this at bet MGM minus 115 for Adam Humphreys. Any receive uh, any reception total props that you're looking at? I know you normally like those, but does anything jump off the page this week? Yeah, there are some that are interesting, uh, but they are so heavily juiced. So for instance, uh, DK Metcalf, um, he's at five and a half. The under is juiced to minus 160, minus 165 across the industry. I do think that it is likelier than not that he goes under and that's reflected in the lines. Uh, I think you could probably set this line at four and a half and that would feel like a more accurate line than the five and a half we see in the market. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of value on this and that you could say this number should maybe be, if it's at five and a half, this number should maybe be around minus 180. But it's not a world of value. And it's a similar thing for Terry McLaurin. Um, The juice is minus 145 on his under at five and a half. You know, I think that line should maybe be around five, but, you know, obviously the bookmakers aren't going to set it there. I just, I don't think there's great value in the receptions market. I think there's maybe a little bit of value if you're fine laying heavier juice, you know, kind of smaller margins there, but uh, I'm fine staying out of that market for this game. One more wacky one before you go. As we know, Lincoln Riley has taken the job as the USC head coach moving on from Oklahoma. The rumors were that they were targeting Cliff Kingsbury to replace him. And Kingsbury did not deny it. He just said he didn't flat out say no. What is the line on Kingsbury at Oklahoma next year? Because I'm putting it somewhere at around the the yes is you could make a tidy sum of 200 to one on the yes. There is no way this happens. Yeah, I don't think it happens. Um, I think for a NFL coach to go back to college, uh, he has to be leaving in, I wouldn't say disgrace, but he has to be pushed out. Like it is unprecedented for a guy to leave the NFL, to go back to college. Um, I mean, I, it's, it reminds me of Harbaugh with the 49ers. Like we did see something like that, but still he was being pushed out from San Francisco. It wasn't as if he were, he was totally happy and then went to Michigan with how the Cardinals have played this year. I don't imagine a guy getting through the really crappy first couple of seasons to get to this point and then being like, no, I have, I have my quarterback. I have my team. I have everything there. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Oklahoma. It's not as if Oklahoma is a, is a destination. And that's not like saying anything bad against the state of Oklahoma. It's just like they have to find talent and bring them there uh, and then kind of grow it there. You know, it's not a a marquee program that draws a lot of attention the way that, let's say, USC does. Because if they were a marquee program, they would have been able to keep their coach instead of losing him to California. So I, I don't see this happening. 
I, I, I don't bring it up seriously. Obviously, I bring it up because some of Twitter is go, is taking the non-denial and going like, "Oh, hang on a second. Like him not saying no means that it's happening. No, no this is a guy sitting in first in, in the one seed in the NFC right now with a nine and two team on not the last year, but next year is the last year of his contract. This is if he shuts the door on that, then he's. It, it, this is just all about his leverage for a new deal next year, like. Cliff yeah. Kingsbury will be the coach in Arizona. Yeah, I, I think so. The one thing that maybe could draw you back is that like if if he hasn't been totally satisfied with the experience of being an NFL head coach, like if it's annoying to deal with professional athletes who are making more money than you are, maybe you could leverage it against uh, against a university that is desperate and willing to pay out the teeth and give you a 10-year contract, whatever it is, to pay you maybe more money than you're making now, and you don't have the same power struggle against professional athletes. Like, I could see it. It would take a particular type of person, and I don't think an NFL head coach is that type of person. I am completely with you on that. If anyone is leaving after this season to go take a college job, it's Urban Meyer. <laughs> yes. Like, exactly. That I that I fully believe he could just go. Okay, you know what? Did not did did this did not work? I do not like this at all. I am out. The health problems are going to pop back up, and then in a couple of years we'll see him back at Ohio State or something. Like, yeah, he could pull a Saban. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's the only way that goes. This was just this was just so amusing to me that people are actually entertaining it. Also, Oklahoma going to the SEC is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, yeah. You're not, it, hey, I mean, uh, you're not going to get any argument from me. I, I've i hated the alignment that have happened in college football over the past, like, 30 years. You yeah. know, like, it, I mean, it really started with the breakup of the Southwestern Athletic Conference back in the day. And, like, that was the end of everything, you know. So, that, uh, that was bad. And this is just a, another version of that happening. Yeah. Hey, uh, Texas, I get. I actually, that's my hot take. I get Texas going to the SEC. Why? Because, why? Why do you get that? So, the, it's the difference in the two schools. Texas, yes, they are making absolute bank. They have their own TV network. They get most of the Big Twelve TV money, but they're going to make even more TV money in the SEC, and that's all that it comes down to for them because they're not winning the Big Twelve because they're already trash. So why not just go and be trash in the SEC and make more money to be trash? Oklahoma wins the Big 12 every single year, and now you're going to go get beaten up in the SEC. That's not worth the extra money to me. I'd rather stay where I have almost a guaranteed spot in the college football playoff than going to the SEC where my program is going to take a massive hit. Texas, you're already bad. Just go get paid more to be bad. Okay, I am coming at this maybe from more of a Texas-centric perspective since, like, that's where I was born and raised like Texas, Texas to me feels like the big 12, even though OU has won the big 12 basically year in and year out in recent history. Like that is still Texas's conference. And like they haven't been good in it since I was like, Vince young. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, it feels like they would have a better chance of being good there than being oh. good in the SEC. Oh, completely. I just have no faith in them to be good anywhere. 
Like they could go to the ACC and I'm still not confident that they're mm, it. I think it would have happened eventually in the Big 12. It gives yeah. themselves a, a better chance because they can still recruit any kid from Texas. Yeah. Like they would want to play at UT. I, I don't know. Like I just I don't know if it's as easy to recruit now in the SEC because like if you're going to the SEC, it's like, why don't I just go to Alabama? Mm-hmm. I don't I, know. I, I do agree with you there. I just I, I come from a place of belief that Texas is a brand name in only and that they aren't going to get back to that level anytime soon. And so you might as well just 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 go to the conference where you're gonna get paid more. If it's all about the Benjamins, then that's that's all you got there. Yeah. If we we are going far afield here, but I, I don't care. If we had to construct out of teams in that area the perfect, we'll say 12 team conference. Right. And I, I wanted to make sort of like geographical. Okay. So it has to be geographical. We're not just building the super conference. We're not building the super conference. It has to make sense within, I would say the state of Texas, the state of Oklahoma, maybe the state of Arkansas. Right. But I would say you have UT, you Mm -hmm. have A&M, right. Those are two very easy choices. You have OU, you have Oklahoma State. I would say you also include Texas Tech. That's an easy one. I would say you include TCU. I think you include SMU. That one is like a little more like, ooh, I don't know, but like I'm fine including SMU. Like I think they should be included. They They used to be a powerhouse. Yeah. You know, and so that gives you right there, that is seven teams. And I think, like, you add Rice to the mix. Like, you're going back to, like, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, but, like, I think you add Rice. I feel like there's another Texas team that I am forgetting about right now. I think you add University of Arkansas. Like, they used to be in the SWAC. Yeah. Um. What are the teams I am forgetting about? I'm honestly not sure for that area. I mean, like looking at that conference, you don't, you still don't have a ton of star power anymore. Like, 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 like it, it just makes it more obvious why the SEC is the name in the game now. Because you look at you look at the big schools, and now they're there. Who else would it take? Hmm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look uh, to see who the other. I mean, Tulsa. Tulsa. Tulsa has some decent teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. I I know I know that there's like uh, a big one that I'm forgetting somewhere, but I don't know. I feel like this would be like a decent. Decent backbone for mm-hmm. a conference. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's annoying. It's frustrating that this is something that's going to happen where it's split apart. And I guess I'll just say, like, candidly, I'm most frustrated about this from, like, the TCU perspective. Because, like, TCU is going to get boned. Yes. Like, the Big 12 is not going to exist anymore. Or however it does exist, it will be, like, a a shell of itself. Yeah. They're going to uh, have to move to like the mountain West or something. 
And that happened with TCU years ago. Yeah. You know, they were in the Southwestern Conference. That broke up. They had to go to, I don't even remember what it was. And then they went into Conference USA. And then they went into Mountain West. And then they finally got into the Big 12 right as it was breaking apart. Like this, this sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I feel your pain as a Syracuse fan leaving the big East, the big East breakup was the worst thing to happen to college basketball for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate it. I hate it when you have conferences that make sense and then they just no longer exist. Yep. I mean, and like, yeah, the big East still exists, but it's a shell of what it was. Like, the, the school's left for the football money. Syracuse included. Yep. All right. Let's, All right. Let's kill it. Now that now that I'm depressed, Tom. <laughs> let's wrap it on up. Where can people find all the great work that you're putting out each and every day? All right. You can find the work at FTN. On Friday, I published the Fantasy Football Breakdown. On Thursday, the Best Bets article. On Tuesday, the Fantasy Rankings, which I update on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And all throughout the week in the FTN Bets Tracker, I'm loading in my NFL side totals and player props. And on Twitter, on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app, and on FTN, you can get daily episodes of the Friedman Fantasy Football Show and the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. And always use the highly original promo code Friedman for 20% off at FTN, except for today where you can use the code Cyber Monday for, for 33% off. All right, that is the show. You can find me and Tommy V on Twitter at Matt F. Oracle and TV at work. Thanks for joining us and see you next episode. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. If you like to do this, or that, or even that, and you want to stay with it, Emory's got your back, or your shoulder, or your hip, or your knee. Our sports medicine specialists treat more world-class, professional, and college-level athletes than anyone else in the state. We'll treat you like a pro and get you back in play. That's the Emory difference. Make an appointment at emoryhealthcare.org sports. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lately, my family has gotten a little behind on our doctor visits, but this year, that's changing. We're making health a priority with Emory Healthcare. My husband got the knee replacement he's been putting off. My mom is getting a heart procedure that Emory pioneered, and I scheduled my annual mammogram. And with so many virtual visit options, we are getting it done in 21. Make your health a priority at emoryhealthcare.org slash healthfirst. 
could be fucking computers. What are you, Ted? Bored, 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 movie, 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 K, K, K. And that's all I fucking do all day. It's fucking unreal. <laughs> this is the Valley Archives. Yeah. Um, um, in terms of whatever, like last night was fucking you were smart to stay home. Because, uh, and I, no, I <laughs> nice just, like, I guess my main topic is like, it's not really like dissing last night. It's more just going like, it's amazing that it's taken this long and we have never really figured out how to do downtown correctly. That's crazy, like, man. We we found a way to make it work, and that's why we always end up going to the same spot. Like we did what was ever easy, comfortable, yeah. Yeah, because like it's just so easy to have an absolute failure of a night. And like last night, we went into it with kind of a bad plan. Like I was going to Callum's, you know, I was going to Callum's, yeah. And we were just going to see what happens. Yeah. But the fact that that was the plan meant that something was probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like I got them back to my house by eleven o'clock, and then we were going to go downtown at from 11, at eleven o'clock. And they were, and the idea was that I was going to pre at my house but i didn't buy any alcohol because i was still kind of banking on nothing really happening okay and um so i just i didn't drink and we we were like okay so where are we going every bar that we had initially used to go to was closed like after covid it's all closed Uh, that was on king in the king area yeah except for rock and horse which they just didn't want to go to and i was fine with that and uh so we ended up they ended up saying that they had a friend who had a karaoke thing and i remembered because like when we had talked about doing it with Duff and Kung Ho or whatever, they said that you have to book a room. You don't just... I always picture it like in the movies where it's like just yeah, a machine. Crowd. Yeah, and no. I always like that version better. Yeah, same. <clears throat> yeah, like We're in a fans. room, it's like... We do that all the time with each other. We sing, like, it's, I don't know. Like, exactly. So People yeah. sing on Ox all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so it was a room. And, and like it was pretty far removed from us when you look at it practically. Like uh, Cam's... Cam's Sorry, not Cam's girlfriend. Barney's sister has a new boyfriend who has an older sister whose friends were celebrating a birthday at a karaoke place. Okay. And they were like, so. they have a room. We're good to go. And we and I was like, okay, well, they have a room. They said we're good to go. I'm sober. But, sounds you know, this enough. sounds fun, you know? Yeah, sounds good And enough. so, like, we went downtown. <laughs> we get down there after midnight or whatever, or just around midnight. And uh, we walk upstairs. And because uh, Cam and Claire had just gotten there with Grace, her boyfriend and her boyfriend's yeah. sister. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we, we get upstairs and it's like we get inside the place and fucking it's full of people. You can sit down if you <laughs> wanted to. And I was like, OK, that's already kind of an uphill battle. You couldn't you couldn't even really get past the door for way with it without like making it pretty inconvenient. And it kind of feels kind of yucky. Like it almost feels like a hot well, box. I would say like a brothel where you have like room room like not well dressed room kind of like yeah and so it's like you get in there they're singing some song but it's like then somebody like one girl like cuts it she's like this is a 10 person room only (laughs) and i was like oh she works here she's cheese that we're breaking protocol no she just rented the room she doesn't want she doesn't want too many bodies in there and it's like okay kind of warranted but then it's like there's just so much hostility of like Get out of here. We don't want you guys. Like, who are you guys? Yeah, and yeah. You're, and I was like, well, yeah, you're nice. Totally warranted. Totally warranted. Fine. But did you leave? So we go you downstairs to. to like, they're like, oh, let's go. Just go get a drink. And it's like, 
And so then I was like, this is, my heart's racing. I'm sober. I'm like, this is a horrible situation. I do not want to go back up there. And, and they were like taking shots. I was like, it's too late for me to start taking shots. But I was like, I'll buy one beer. And in the second that I was walking over to the ATM, because it was cash only, of course, uh, Grace had been kicked out with her boyfriend who were actually much (laughs) less removed than us from the situation. And I was walking to the ATM going like, how fast can a beer get me drunk enough that I can actually enjoy it? Not enjoy it, just feel not uncomfortable for the next two hours in this horrible situation. But then, but then you didn't end up having to buy it. <clears throat> they were kicked out. We were in the clear. <laughs> we were sent out. But then it was like, at that point, it was like 12, it was midnight. I'm still sober. And now I'm committed to being sober. Like, yeah. it's like, and, and, uh, and they're like, well, Dance Cave's not far away. Let's, oh, let's, let's give it another try. Like, what's Oof. in the area? Oof. And so, and so I was like, listen, I'm calling an Uber. And wow, then, good of you, bro. And, and they're, they're like, they're like, they hit the and because there was still Cam's house, we could go back there on the table. Yeah. And they hit the no, 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 stay, stay. It's gonna be fun. We'll pay for this. Do this. Yeah. And it's like, guys, just make this easier on everybody. I'm being reasonable right now. You're being unreasonable. I'm calling an Uber, and they're like, no, 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 stay. Like they sort of get mad. Like make like I'm making a scene. It's like sure. I'm not making a scene. I'm just going home. Yeah, going. I know how this night ends. Yeah. I want to go home. Yeah. And I just called my Uber and left. You Perfect, left, eh? bro. Yeah. That's good. That is, uh, you saved yourself a lot of more discomfort, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, the right decision. I've been there before, man. I've been there before waiting for the night to end while people are waiting for it to start. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a bad thing to stomach. But, uh, yeah, that's how you, that's how you come up with a solution. There was a lot of, uh, uh, pieces to that puzzle that, like we're not in favor of a yeah. good night. Oh, yeah. from the get go, the, the right answer was to stay at Calms. I yeah. think for me, but for them, it was maybe to go downtown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> also including in the fact that you guys arrived at your place at eleven ish, uh, probably around there, mm-hmm. and you were sober and about to commute downtown. <laughs> it just uh... the only reason why we actually went with for it because Calum was like James was actually gone and he was just pumped, right. and uh, Calum was sober enough where he was like. He was like at least running through the logistics. He's he just like, wanted to make something happen, I guess. No, he was running through the logistics on the phone with Cam. He was like, "Well, this can you check if this place is open? Is this place open? Are we calling an Uber for no reason?" And we went through it all, and we'd actually called the Uber, and I remembered that karaoke places are typically you have to book a room. And I was like, "Hey, Cam, do they even have a room?" And like, Calum was going to cancel the Uber if they didn't have the room. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Calum was at least like mostly there. By the time you're downtown, you already feel like, "Well, we're this far in it. Let's yeah. go all the way." Mm-hmm. But it's like when you're actually downtown. The, if you're it's midnight and you're not somewhere yet, you're not gonna get somewhere. No, and it's <laughs> it's a tall order. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, good on you. I'm with. I'm. I agree with Bell in, in the sentiment that you made it out. You saved yourself. You saved yourself yeah. there. But yeah, like I've heard you guys say that before. That man, that wasn't a good DT night or whatever. Like, there, it seems to be there needs to be a certain version of DT. Otherwise, it's not very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's that version? What's what, what's the best DT reach look like? I, I think it takes a plan. Yeah. That's it. Just a plan. A good plan. Something to stick to. Yeah. A plan, a venue, a venue that we all agree in like semi-like. Yeah. Um, well, not semi, just enjoy it. Like fully like. Um, good timing and... Uh, good numbers sometimes. And that's not even that necessary. A couple, yeah. a, a few people going to a bar is, always, is still nice. Mm-hmm. I'd almost just say... I'd almost say a reservation. Yeah. It's almost... <laughs> necessary at this yeah. point yeah well I'm, I, like it depends if it's a what the type of venue but yeah because it's like the idea of bar hopping sounds so fun and in movies it's sick but they don't show the line they yeah. don't show like they don't you, show you're just line. getting stuck and like sober and cold and shitty it also, like, yeah. toronto doesn't lend itself well it doesn't to, lend itself to no. bar hopping 
unless because like, there's I, not enough in a row there's not enough in a row and there's no street that accommodates like the closest you can get mm-hmm. is kensington or mm-hmm. even Ossington shit closes by like 11 there yeah so yeah. that's tough but uh if you're on kensington you have like four options but you end up fine you end up liking one more than the others true so you can just stay there just why don't you go there to, to start it, it was just a quick solve so like last night i was talking to great uh brayden gorn about it. i was like i was saying how like i don't like the fact that i'm 24 maybe i don't go downtown enough maybe i don't do enough stuff and then it's like before long that won't even really be on the table mm-hmm. and then i was kind of i had a really sobering like oh this is why i don't do it that often exactly and it's man. not so bad that i don't do it often <laughs> no exactly yeah, yeah. It's different if you live there. I think it's still, yeah, if you live there, like there is a night scene that I do want to enjoy, but it's definitely not that I'm going to take an Uber downtown, spend a hundred dollars and have less fun than something else tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it hits some, I, I guess it hits everyone eventually because my mom's not, not looking <laughs> to go DT. So. <laughs> Very true. I think, uh, I think a house party's still ideal. And I think that when you do live downtown, there probably is a way, like you just become Part of me, like I was as I was driving, like taking an Uber home, I was like, I just want to date a really hot, really cool girl who knows exactly how you're supposed to do this, just so that I at least find out. Because at this point, like I've been exposed to everybody and nobody knows, mm-hmm. and it's that's the only person I haven't been exposed to yet. So, <clears throat> again, like I said, it's different. I think it's different if you live down there because if you live ten minute a ten minute walk from a from a solid spot, then it's really easy. It's, it's like going to a house party. You walk ten minutes and you're there. And you probably develop like some level of uh, comfort and consistency in going to the same place, and then you just enjoy it more and more. But uh, yeah, when you have to commute, it really throws a, right. throws a wrench into the plan. When you have to commute, there's a lot riding on it because it's such a commitment. Yeah, especially with a variable like home trip. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, when I was, we went out to whatever uh, a few weeks ago, and it's like King Tops. Yeah, seventy dollar Uber home is what the, wow. the charge was. Wow, and, dude! But you dodged the bullet. Yeah, no, no, like yeah, TBC. you can like you can hack the system and just like refresh the app until it goes down twenty five bucks, <laughs> and it's like it's pretty good. And I'd say I would always spend thirty dollars over TTC, but TTC over seventy. Yeah, man, seventy is <laughs> fucking that's that's a, a lot. That's <laughs> but with this one simple trick, Uber's going bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Spam refresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How about you look? What did you do yesterday? I went Tondu. Oh, yeah? Me no, not your favorite rest. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It was Shut fucking up. awesome. And still bangs? Yeah. Were you outside? Indoors. Do they, do they, do they even have indoors? How seating? did you get a res? We didn't. They don't oh. They do not do reservations for parties less than six. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe that was the number. But it's, you can, it's walk-in. Can you do two people with four no-shows? <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Flaky um, friends. I think they'd catch on to that one. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. We had an indoor spot. And, but how yeah. many indoor spots were there? One, two, three. A couple, ta- six tables, seven tables. I don't know. Yeah. Last time we went there, I was actually convinced seven, that they eight. had no indoor spots because yeah, yeah. everybody was sitting outside and mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't seem to be. I was I was under the there. same impression, but they there are spots. Yeah. Yeah. Were you willing to sit outside if you had to no. yesterday? No. No. Okay. Yeah. No. I, if if we had to sit outside, we would have just went elsewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you guys have to wait? Nope. What? Yeah. It's pretty lucky, man. Yeah, Saturday night. We arrived there at like s- maybe 6.45. Wow. It's not even like that's a good time to eat dinner. Yeah. That's good. That's great, man. I, we were trying to book a reservation for Scaramouche, me, Reed, and Luca, and Greg. We used to do that. We used to go out for dinner before COVID, but we haven't done that in a while. And yeah, I couldn't get a... Nothing. Can't, eh? can't get a reservation in December. Really? Yeah. In the month of December? In the month of December, I can't get anything. On weekends. Like, I didn't try every day of December. But, like, for Fridays and Saturday in December, it's all booked up. 
Yeah, me and Lulu looked at Rasa, and Rasa also had like a, a three-week wait time. Yeah, nothing. Crazy, man. So I was thinking of uh, an idea that would be like, okay, you get a reservation for three weeks in advance at Rasa, <clears throat> and then something comes up, and then you could have the you can't make it, and then you could have the op- option to sell that reservation to someone else. So someone that night is looking for reservations scalping at, at Rasa, yeah. and you just scalp your reservation because you can't go anymore. And you get to make money off it. I don't know. Maybe should they? I think should you shouldn't be, be able to make money? money off it because then now people have all the reason to book up every single seat and now you can only get a scalped reservation anywhere. Yeah. And then that would fuck things up. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because everybody's just booking reses not even to eat at them. Yeah. And in that case, like if the if the spot opens up, they either just give it to someone at the door or someone else who's refreshing the page would just get it. But cancellations do happen. I know. And and people no show. And when that happens the restaurants cheese and the guy looking for the tables cheese. Yes, yes. So, but if it's a packed restaurant, it's also likely that they have like enough foot traffic to fill up the whoever. I'm sure they have same. a wait list too. Yeah. But I'm more thinking about us. Oh, we're waiting, and we want the res, you know. And someone canceled. Then we check the res scalp market. Yeah, we should. We should be able to check the third party. You know what I bought when we were out at dinner on Thursday at uh, whatever. What? There was a two two person tables that never got sat at the whole yeah, time we were there. To the- Behind us to the right. Yeah, beside are, the H1. Those are those the bell. Drake tables? <laughs> I don't That's know. That's the VIP. See, I think restaurants have VIP tables. Just in I case. thought we were at it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was like, at the bar, I was like, this is like, because at the start, I would have been like, yeah, I want to get there. But then when I realized it was only fucking Dude, the bar 30s was- and us, <laughs> I was like, the bar is the best. We're on fucking display. The, the bar was, yeah, the bar was the boys club. Yeah. And then the rest of the restaurant. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a grade six dance floor. And we were closer crazy. to gray, gray uh, bus boy thing. Right. Great bus boy ting. <laughs> you know her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, pizza was great as usual. I had pizza the okay. next day as well. I had pizza. Oh, true, true. I had pizza for lunch that day and then pizza at night. <laughs> <laughs> like and little yachty. Do you like your mom's pizza more than uh Superpoint? Yeah. yeah, probably. Really? Yeah. What if you okay. At this point it's just kinda rude you haven't brought a slice over yeah, to somebody's house. I'll, I'll have to bring it over sometime. Or rather we'll go there. I yeah, don't believe I Oh, I love you it. know how fucking you do have your European enough though. You're still a first generation, so it's like you're known to have a bi- upwards bias on your mother's. Oh cooking. yes, yes, I would, I would. That's yeah. cultural. Yeah, <laughs> I can't avoid that. Uh, Is your mom's crust better than Super Point's crust? Probably like similar. Yeah. What's your ideal crust? The I, sauce I, isn't better. I like it uh, crispy. Okay, yeah. The sauce isn't better. That's what I'll say. I, I can't believe the <laughs> sauce would be better. The crust, I could see. The sauce, the, I can't. The, the sauce, so- well, no. Like, Superpoint is both, re- it's really, really good. The crust and the sauce is The like, crust I'm is not good. Saying, I'm not saying either one is that, like, necessarily better. But um, I think a Superpoint pizza is a burrata pizza. But my mom's pizza is whatever I want in it. Okay, so and what everything if, and oh, more. No, so your mom's that. Blaze and they're super point. I like the customization is what improves. Yeah, I see, I see. But so if you had your mom's ingredients on a super point dough, it like it'd still be good too. Yes. But your be mom's fantastic. dough is also great. Yes, so yes, yes, yeah. enough said there. Yeah. Awesome, dude. <laughs> Praising my mom's cooking. <laughs> free shout out, free shout out. Yeah. <clears throat> I, w- I was always curious on why a restaurant at Humbertown or Thorncrest never worked. And never worked. And, and, and there's a, my, my dad's friend owns a jewelry store on Thorncrest. 
and he's letting go of the rent. And he asked my dad if he wanted to take it over for any reason. Yeah. And then for about a day, we thought, oh, would a restaurant be good there? Like a pizza place yeah. or something quick, like a fucking, I don't know, maybe something new. He, he wanted to do a pasta bar. Oh. Like you come in, you order a pasta to go, quick and easy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. After some thought, we were like, it's an okay idea, but history seems to say it doesn't work. Yeah. And but so it's why? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I just don't know if we ha- don't have the foot traffic or I think my theory is that people in this neighborhood don't really eat out a lot. I feel like that's incorrect. Eat at home. They just eat out of Jack Astor's. <laughs> See, that's that's also a problem, yeah. bro. <laughs> Too many Jack Astor's in this neighborhood killing killing an actual restaurant. Yeah. Like we went to Jack Astor's. Uh, it's the size of a gymnasium and it's like we <laughs> yeah we went there had a hard time finding parking almost and it's then busy. and then like there's a line as long as a club Shut to get in up, yeah. you get, obviously get a seat because it's still huge inside yeah. but it's like yeah. people want to get to jack astors yeah okay so yeah, yeah that's why bro. but then the more that i think about it looking at from at humbertown the last one i remember that was like of any significance in my life was the sushi bar the sushi place they had inside so they had that one and they had an italian restaurant at blockbuster when we were like seven <laughs> wow really yeah and that's just two fails right pre, there. fails that's pre, pre-blockbuster meanwhile second cup restaurant. has been absolutely kicking it for mm-hmm. did for you ever find years. any margarita in the back of burn <laughs> i found some pomodoro sauce <laughs> <laughs> did you get any evidence that, like no. do you ever find any evidence of the previous no no, no kitchen no nothing so i was like okay, <laughs> wow. You go to the back of a barn and there's just blockbuster videos. <laughs> I, I, I would be surprised games. if there was no, like they cleaned it that thoroughly. It's an ancient relic, ancient yeah. Tony Hawk pro skater <laughs> underneath the thing. I went in the, the almonds. Me and Pan went in the back of barn once. <laughs> <laughs> when it was closing, like we yeah. just went in. You guys it. had a backstage pass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like VIP tags. I like, think it was just it was closing and you didn't care. So you're like, fuck it. Yeah, like, there was times where it was open. <laughs> and you guys were No, I there. mean like the store itself was going out it, oh it yes, was, yes. Yeah. that was exactly the case <laughs> yeah that was totally true honestly <laughs> it was pretty weird like because i think a pizza joint could almost work at thorncrest because like it's fairly accessible for a bunch of the area for a bunch of people in the area they uh-huh. wouldn't mind swinging by and grabbing uh-huh. a, a five dollar slice a for good sure. slice for sure but on the other hand like something about it just doesn't seem to suggest it would work i i agree with you bro like even though it's right there would i use it I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. like maybe sometimes. Unless it's, it has to be good. It has to be bomb. Of course, it has to be bomb for starters. Maybe that's the missing key point. Not bomb. Yeah, it has. Not nothing's enough. been good enough to actually be worth, be worth going to. But why? Like you have a you're a good cook. You just stay away from Etobicoke. I guess so. Yeah. I don't think that's. I don't. I don't think that can be a viable reason. Yeah. Conrad used to love uh, one place in Etobicoke. Scada. No. 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 Pinocchio. No, yeah. Pinocchio's, yeah. <laughs> I've actually wanted to. I wanted to go there. But I never Isn't ended it up close? Going. close. Yeah. <laughs> Without Connie. <laughs> and Osmos took over, basically. Oh, no, Osmos isn't there. A door over, and yeah. it's thriving. Like, yeah. Damn, bro. But, but that, More evidence. The Pinocchio place is huge. It was like, a, it was a big spot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, it was. Um, I wonder what it was. Was it classy? Was it like I think it, uh, it... Somewhat. Conrad says that every place that he used to love in, uh, in Etobicoke, uh, or Toronto, period, after going to living in London for long enough and spending a lot of money on dinners, he's realized that it's all okay. <laughs> okay. Like, he says he Perfect. says it's good, but it's no, okay. He, well, he's right. He's yeah. pretty right, bro. Especially if you have some dollars. I spend, if, if you have dollars to spend in London, there's great restaurants. It's kind of... <laughs> it's weird. Like, when I talk about Conrad, I can't... 
get the story point across if I don't sound like I'm bragging or like I, I can't sound I can't get the point across without sounding like I'm bragging <laughs> like it's like because it's like yeah I'm talking about he he takes his clients out for Michelin star dinners mm-hmm. and it's like Insane. it's because he's Goldman Sachs the story <laughs> doesn't sound right otherwise you yeah know? yeah I know it sounds like you're boasting yeah but uh it's just a statement that you had to state the facts like I'm as incredible like, I'm so blown away that's why I say it mm-hmm. it's like Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's taking them out to Michi stars. He gets to take them out because it's like because you don't want to look bad. What's Goldman? It was two hundred pounds per head is what like uh, the uh, limit was, and you uh, can get into a few whatever okay, you can. as yeah, long you as can. you do cheaper bottles of wine. True, 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 true. Two hundred two hundred pounds per head is their is their budget. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, don't want to have don't want to have Conrad looking like a schmuck out there with one fifty <laughs> in his pocket. Yeah, that's so much money per person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so much money. Like when you go, like, oh, that's like three hundred twenty five dollars Canadian. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's it's thirty visits to anywhere, somewhere, but it's one visit to somewhere else. Too. The wrong Goldman workers taking six doggy bags home from <laughs> whatever from um, from Nando's. <laughs> we went yesterday. Oh nice, Nando's. Nice. I haven't been in so long. It's still bangs. Oh, it's bangs. Yeah, it's bangs. I love Nando's. Um, we have no Michis here in Toronto, right? No Michis in Canada. The the, uh, the one restaurant I've heard in Toronto that's always like that gets the craziest a huge amount of praise is Harbor Sixty. Mm. down there very uh overrated you've been in my opinion i've been yeah oh wow okay it's a, I, trendy, it's a trendy spot Tw- two or three so you tried more than one thing on the menu yes okay yeah, yeah, yeah. see i heard i heard it's like good food and supposedly really good oh it's great food it's like classy and it's good whatnot. food it's classy but like it's gonna be 150 dollars a head and you could take that money and spend it at a better restaurant with no alcohol, one hundred and fifty. No, with alcohol, like you, you, you had a glass or two, you yeah. had a steak and a couple courses. Alcohol is actually like, I, I, I think it's almost never worth drinking with your dinner. Period. Hey, man, that's a fair take. My mom loves can't can't drink can't have a meal without it. Yeah. So that's that's her take on it. But it's like, if you want to save money, no alk. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good a great way. It's just so unfairly priced oh man it's insane dude it's insane (laughs) yeah like we went out to just like mexican for friday just like and yeah two drinks 24 dollars yeah yeah for sure and then dinner so (laughs) you could like double your it could double your food cost yeah Yeah. and honestly one of the things i think you would love is the mexican street corn just anywhere i could I could eat so much of that. You yeah. know me, man. I'm a corn I've guy. I know. How do they dress it up? How do they? They how lather. Do they, pre- it, they lather it with some sort of like white, uh, white sauce and white, white cheese. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not sure what the. So- I think it's some, some sort of. Is it on the cob? Do they yeah. take it? It's on the cob. Yeah. Unfortunate. Oh, that's that's the right. only strike against. Right. Wait, no, that's that's fine. That's I love fine, off the fine. cob. <laughs> I know you love off the cob. What's your take? I like on the cob too. Okay, yeah. But off the cob is. It's great too. You shovel it when it's off. The yeah, cob. when it's off the cob, you, you shovel it with your. You get nothing two hands. stuck in your feet, teeth, and it's like. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Like there's the obvious benefits, but you can't be dissing on the cob. Yeah, you can't I can be dissing on the cob. Okay. Right. <laughs> you do you. Um, the uh, one memory I have associated with Harbor Sixty, I've never been. Is it Harbor Sixty or Fifty? Harbor Sixty. Yeah. Sixty. I've never been, but um, my parents were in Serbia at the time, and they needed like they had for. They were already there, like whatever they, you know, they they needed to be, like they were with their family and whatnot. Yeah. But I think they wanted to like go from Serbia to a different country, just like visit someone, and they needed some other papers. And we knew someone who was flying there from Toronto that like week, so I was gonna give them their papers, so then that he could transfer it to them when yeah. he arrives in Serbia. Yeah. And it was some person I hadn't seen in like 
I hadn't seen in like 15 years, but he's my age. And uh, like we'd known each other as kids and he was the one who became the like drop shipper and he wanted me to meet him downtown. What's a drop shipper? He was the guy who's like, he was like buying online uh, merchandise and then flipping it on his own website with, oh, okay. with improved marketing yeah. and using like uh, Facebook marketing and whatnot to sell it and make money. Okay. It's like, it's just a money making scheme nowadays. Uh, what was I getting at? Yeah. I hadn't seen him forever. And then he tells me to meet him there, which is already like, dude, you want me to meet you in fucking... Like, the depths of downtown. Like, you couldn't have made it more accessible. <laughs> but okay. Um, so, I, I meet him there. Because he was doing us a favor and whatnot. Sure. And then he pulls up. And he comes in, like, the... He comes wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> he was actually wearing a cowboy hat in the most insane outfit. I'm like, you're just clearly... You're about to go to Harbor 60 and you're wearing a cowboy hat. You're just... And you drop ship to make your money. Like you're, you're just in a different planet. Yeah. And, you know, we did the quick exchange. Air. Yeah. He's literally Akash Ati. Yeah. Air. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, like whatever. Quick exchange, quick hello. I wasn't interested to to dap him up. But he was, he was a cowboy. cowboy? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't. It wasn't Halloween. He was just that was his fit. Was it close so, to Halloween? No. Okay. He was just that. That's his Harbor Sixty fit. And uh, <laughs> and that moment, I'm like, yeah, this is probably a nice spot. <laughs> I kind of nice like spot. that people can. I like it when people misinterpret what a cool fit is that way. Like, there should be more cowboys on the street. Mm-hmm. You think? <laughs> yeah. 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 That'd be nice. I mean, there actually is a lot of interesting outfits out there. You just are. you just don't subscribe to them. I don't subscribe to a certain kind. I, yeah. I want more groovy black dude, like from like Old the town. Soul Age, yeah. uh, and I want more more cowboy. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they're out there somewhere. They just don't. You're not in your vicinity. Yeah. Dude, speaking right. of clothes, man, <laughs> Virgil Abloh died. Yeah. I was. Oh my Who's god. Who's he? Bro, he's a super. Well known, known well fashion known designer. fashion designer he was in kanye's he was in kanye's camp and then he transitioned over to become the head oh, he he made a uh, off-white and then he transitioned over to be the director of uh louis vuitton. director creative director creative, creative director, director of, of louis vuitton yeah which i mean insane insane he was like, also he, he went to school for architecture yeah and then he was also a dj on the side yeah. wait and at, <laughs> he's a very amazing person i thought that uh off-white started in 2015 maybe a bit before that so he just had a great twilight years. No, like well, he, had he, a, he no, he was he's forty. He died from cancer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, I pictured a seventy-five-year-old no, making no, no, off white no. and no. then going to Louis Vuitton. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's forty. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a young guy. So yeah, that's big news, man. That's big news. No, I was shocked. That happened. They posted it like two hours ago. Yeah, like literally. Yeah. Just as we were driving, as I was driving here, I checked my phone. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Was he was he like closeted cancer? Like yeah, uh, he was. Black Panther? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. That guy was that that's kind of fucked too. That's really sad. When when the, the Black Panther guy died, yeah, nobody man. even knew he was sick. I know. Like he was like, Oh, wow. I know yeah. it's a big shock. Same same with the Virgil thing. And I guess that's just to stop people from speculating and I think it's I, just I don't you, don't, know. you don't want to spend your time yeah. answering cancer questions. You're right, you're right. That that too. Yeah, Didn't uh there was that uh, comedian, Norm, Norm MacDonald. He was also closet cancer. Yeah. yeah. He, I guess that's why you do it. You just don't want to deal with it. Don't want to deal yeah. with it quite. quite uh, yeah. No, I, that's fair, canceling, man. Answering. Yeah, it sucks. It's terrible news. The Virgil one's actually pretty, another, like, it's quite surprising. Yeah. Quite shocking. He's, he's, he's really popular. Is really? He? Yeah. Oh, really, really, really popular. Because of Off-White? Because yeah. of Off-White and because of Kanye, his association with Kanye. His association with, with Louis Vuitton. With Louis Vuitton is associ- he's associated and 
many different avenues. I'm How much do you think it takes talent once you're in the like? Let's say you're in Kanye's left ear, and you go like, "Okay, we're bringing back Cowboys." Like, you think that's going to be cool and it's going to be the same as Off-White? Or do you think that Zip Ties was actually really cool? <laughs> Man, y- y- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, how they test an idea. Because, like, is something like a Zip Tie is as cool as a cowboy hat. Yeah. So I don't know what, how they can test what actually works in the public, what the public thinks is cool. But, like, Virgil had a great sense of, what yeah. the public thinks is cool, and he tended to hit the nail on the head yeah. on things he released. Like, I know people disagree. You will disagree with me on the, like, Kanye. I think that some of his shoes look okay, but, like, or does he only have one? He has many. Okay, yeah. Some of his shoes might look okay, but for uh, there are a strong argument to go out there that his clothing kind of sucks. Like, he's a good musician and bad clothing. 100%. Teach and, and so it's like... How much do you really have to give credit to the idea versus just the person saying it is famous? Dude, don't know. Most yeah, certainly. Good. There's definitely a lot of people who just uh, uh, latch on to either the, the fashion or, or the music just based off the popularity of the person. Yeah. Like, I remember actually in one of my first days at work, or my, uh, not first days, but a couple months into work, some guy came in and he was wearing, he was wearing Yeezys. And this was just before the like this was in the donda rollout as it was happening and i just like brought it up casually he's like oh no i don't listen to his music i just i'm just a hype beast like he's just wearing the clothes <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay yeah i guess just Fair different type, different types of su- subscription to pop culture yeah and i mean his subscription mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes so, sense like th- those shoes say something it's a so- it's a it's a uh Statement. Socials like status. Like if you wear Yeezy, some people could think, "Oh, well, you're cool," or "Oh, you're in the no," or whatever. You it know, it really well, is a statement piece. Yeah, and it I is. totally agree, Ted. Lots of a uh, like you. You cannot like a lot of them. I I don't like uh, some of, some of his stuff too. Yeah. Um, the the clothes, <laughs> but <laughs> the music's all good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, some, but some I guess of, some it, of them I love. It comes kind of comes down to, like. When people talk about taste, some people say they have good taste, and right. Some people would say like Kanye has good taste or Virgil has good taste mm-hmm. because they can pinpoint what what is good to the majority of people. Yeah, but it's like, do you think they have good taste? Uh, again, subjective. It, like, what is taste? Yeah, exactly. What yeah. is good? T- like, exactly. If Kanye has good taste, does that mean he's gonna pick always like the best the best chair out of a? A set of five chairs? Yeah, like, uh, unlikely, because yeah. <laughs> you might like a different chair. Some mm-hmm. people might only like wearing a blank tees with a small logo here, mm-hmm. but if someone throws a loud, a loud image on it, that's suddenly in poor taste to that person. Yeah, like, also, I guess this, you know, like, uh, well, I guess, okay, my, my <laughs> I got my source from, Ali G interviewed the, ashen, <laughs> the fashion guy, yeah. and he's like, uh, logos are vulgar. Is that true? Is that facts? Is that widely so. agreed upon? I, I would say so. Wait, what do you I mean don't like that? logos. But then like everybody, like our, like they go like logos, they're like, it's bad. It's gross. It's bad for fashion. Oh. You shouldn't have it. Oh. Is that like, is that cool right now to not like logos? I would say so. Yeah. But every shoe is pretty look at me with their logo, or at least you're pretty aware of what it is. I would say in shoes, it's definitely logo driven. Yeah. But well, like look, in clothes, not, not so much. Nike. Yeah. Let's check. Adidas, yeah, the stripes. Asics, it's the the like the lines coming across it. Yeah. So that's definitely the case. But then on the other hand, 
a, a Clark shoe doesn't have a, a, a logo on you. Any Chelsea boot doesn't necessarily have a logo. And there's like a thousand different types of Chelsea boot. Hmm. Yeah. I, I Yeah. For shoes, I think it's worse. Mm-hmm. Like there's more logos in a shoe. Meanwhile, a shirt can just have an, a graphic on it, not necessarily a logo yeah. associated. And then the Supreme lo- Box logo comes in. Just yeah. That, but that's like, that's pretty look at me. Is there it was not? an era, I think like a couple of years ago where logo was everything. Like yeah. the bigger the logo, the better it will sell. Because people want to be seen wearing like whatever, whatever designer brand they want to mm-hmm. be seen wearing. But now it's kind of ch- it shifted. It's now it's it's yucky. It's ta- it's it's tacky to wear like Gucci down, Gucci this, Versace oh, okay. everywhere. Yeah, that's super, like ugh. big ass Louis Vuitton logo. Here. Those were always gross. That was always gross. I it was always say. gross. I think what now happened is worse, it was the though. people who were doing it didn't do it that many favors it was like you didn't buy that stuff because you could afford it you bought it because you couldn't afford it and you wanted to look like you Mm -hmm. could Mm -hmm. that's right bro that's right Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of the fashion industry is predicated on i think it always used to blow me away just like hearing like a lot of like girls that i was around uh talk about how they'd spend their money on clothes Mm -hmm. like i'm not saying all but like i worked at low-paying jobs in the past and things would talk about like all the clothes they're buying it's like we make the same amount of money. How the <laughs> fuck do you have any money other than clothes? And it always used to just confuse me that yeah. people would spend their money that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you actually got to a position where you could see other people's bank accounts. And yeah. You realized that they didn't have money <laughs> other oh. than clothes. <laughs> well, I mean, like that was more like when it was people in the same job title. Yes. But like okay. in this one, like it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. The bank account never lies, eh? <laughs> the numbers on the screen never lie. <laughs> but I wonder, like, you probably can't say. But, like, if 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 out clothing and appearance matched bank accounts. Not, not crazy not, not often. I would, assume, I would assume that. I would yeah. assume that it would not be much correlation. I think, I think when you're really wealthy on the woman's side, you tended to look good. Not great, like just good. You know, you looked really presentable or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you're really wealthy on the men's side, you could look fucking trash, or you could also look pretty Again, good. Pretty, you know, good, like it was kind of there was more variance there. And then Fair on the enough. low side, you could look anything. But Fair what? Enough, but what enough. do you mean? Like, so you've only mentioned looking pretty good. Yeah. What's looking great? What's looking great? Like, you look like you're going to the club. You're fucking. Oh, okay. And then what do you? What have you found? What bank accounts associated with that? Ah, uh, just kind of young people. <laughs> More like, oh, look at me. They don't really have that much money yet. Okay. I see, okay. I see, I see. Everybody who seems to have money never looked that flashy. I see, I see. Early that, career probably. That seems to be the case. I and think. I never really caught that many brands on successful people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. There's a there's a popular uh, like clips. I don't even know how to explain it. But people were posting videos on Instagram. And I guess there were like TikTok clips and whatnot of some guy walking up to rich people either based on their car or based on their house and asking like oh how'd you make your money yeah i might have even brought this up on the pod before <laughs> but uh yeah i guess like the drug dealer the drug dealer <laughs> or the wife one. which one uh, the drug dealer the one wife. was the one i definitely remember i don't remember the wife what was the There's wife one who's like i have a husband mean? i'm there i'm married. <laughs> no that's good that's a good one uh, i'll take that one i'll take that one too yeah i'll take that one <laughs> um <laughs> Those have to be set up, I, I think. N- not the ones in the car, but when you, you can't knock oh, on yeah. a guy's house yeah. and expect him to comply. In it's any 100% way. set up. The guy, oh, the guy who owns the house opens the door. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Dude, oh, I'm a banker. <laughs> like, of course it's fucking set up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so BS. <laughs> uh, 
you can uh, realize everything that that's set up once you realize once you take into the perspective of the person who's recording it. Hundred percent. And, and once and, you and, acknowledge the camera, you can understand a lot of shit yeah. is set up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then one one other thing, actually, this is kind of a random topic. Like this Great. is this is so irrelevant that's to fine. this, but. Uh, a couple, I think like earlier last week on Reddit, it was on the front page of Reddit and I was scrolling through and it was posted on, cause the front page of Reddit culminates all subreddits and it just gives you the most popular thing for the day, the most trending, whatever has the most traction. And one of the post title was like, I, I am a woman and I just want to be a housewife. Mm. Is that, Oh yes. And she questioned like, is that what like what do what do you other women think about yeah, that concept yeah. rather than being like um uh I don't a know, boss lady a boss a boss bit yeah you know? a boss bit uh and then the comments were just were just a lot of people commenting on oh uh i also have that se- i share that sentiment some people were like i thought i wanted to be a boss bit but then over time i realized that i prefer to just you know spend time with family and be alone or be at some sort of like housewife role yeah and again i don't mean house like housewife in the in I guess exactly what it means, like yeah. staying guess, at home and helping around around the house, yeah, which is fine. Uh, but then other people share the complete opposite sentiment, like no, I could, I would die if I had to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I'd much rather, you know, be a go getter and do whatever you have to do, uh, career wise. Yeah, was she saying it? It's kind of it's, less socially acceptable these days. It seems like it's more taboo this day these days to to bring it up. Probably. Or I don't think you want to be a whatever, and I think that's like why that why that announcement on that Reddit post got a lot of traction because yeah. it's more like socially taboo, like you said, to to bring up that that's a desire. Yeah, I think that's. And meanwhile, fun. I hear Teddy wanting to do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's not it's not out of the norm in our circle. We understand. <laughs> we understand the the urge. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is, man. You don't hear it a lot anymore. Of yeah. your goal. Yeah, yeah, you just don't hear it a lot, I guess. I yeah. well, but on the other hand, we are surrounded by m- most people our age, and at least our friend group, and almost everyone we know, are tend to have some sort of like goal that they want to do, and it tends to involve a career to get there. For I sure. think for sure, like it's all associated. That's mm. the Cam and I say the modern woman in different ways. Like Cam will say he just wants his significant other to have goals. It, not cooking dinner like like right so he wants a woman who works i okay. say i want <laughs> a motivated thing <laughs> yeah a woman who works like it's it's just different ways to word the same thing you know mm. everybody kind of i don't know okay interesting that's 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 the first i've heard man i thought you were a modern man kind of guy i am modern oh man. i get it i got <laughs> it now. he wants just click yeah just uh int- yeah, yeah 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 but like it's I don't know. <laughs> I just, I like how it's like, he never says to Barney like, oh yeah, you shouldn't be a stay-at-home mom, but he always goes like, it's great that you have goals, you know, like never. I also think we're we're pretty young to be thinking about being a stay-at-home mom because, yeah. I mean, no one's a mom, not, no one even has a home yet, so yeah. not there yet. I think, I think people will maybe find that they do want to just stay at home and create a family or help out around I the think house. if you've been the good son though. You you know a little bit of what it's like to be a stay at home parent. If you've been the good son, the good or son, daughter. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you mean by that? Like when you're the good son, like you're helping out around the house. Yeah, like you know that you're like I was the good son this summer, and it was like my dad's gonna be cheesed if I'm not a contributing member of the household and not oh. working. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. 
Yeah, I know, I know. Goran's the good son. He's Goran's the great son. He's <laughs> he's cooking dinners. He's yeah, great son. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's perfect, man. Um, okay. Do you guys have any other toppies? Not really. Pretty not, dry. Not I just wanted to talk to you, Vion, in general. Like, I guess it doesn't matter if it's on air or not. But I liked when we went to the movies the other week. Like, the more awesome. I look back on it, I go, like, go I'm ahead. so happy I went to the movies again. And I, I I, always liked the experience, and I still like everything about the experience. Yeah, it was... Uh, honestly, one, this is going to sound like me being picky. Yeah. But for some reason, it looked blurry. I did not catch that. I was, like... I'm not complaining about our positioning. We were totally fine positioned. Yeah. Like it's, no, no, no. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Just something about it was that looked kind of blurry to me. Like I wasn't able to get a proper focus on the screen, and I think that's like, I think my eyes are fine, and if you didn't see it, then I would imagine the projector was fine. But yeah. I think it's just I wasn't used to a going to a theater again, and I got used to staring at high quality screens. Like just in your day to day, a usual 24 inch screen or a laptop 17 inch or your phone five, six, seven, eight inch, whatever it is, is crisp AF. Mad yeah. And going back, going bad to going back to uh, the theaters kind of threw me off on how it's slightly not as crisp as I expected. Oh, wow. And that, like, it, 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 I don't, I don't want to say it bothered me, but it definitely like caught my attention multiple moments throughout the, throughout the movie where I'm like, this is kind of like tough. Like this is weird. I can't focus on it. <laughs> yeah. Like why is, why this is so, it blurry? Yeah. That, it, it, yeah. it hit me to that extent. I never once. I still, I yeah. still fully like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, soaked in the movie, but there's definitely moments. The yeah. only thing that like, and I, I hate that I've been like, remember when we went to the Joker and like when a door would open, me and Bowen were scanning the <laughs> aisles to see if somebody was coming in to shoot it. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I still have a little bit of that fucking, no matter what movie I'm in, the guys behind us like danger i didn't i didn't give them a good i needed to give them a good enough like i whatever like i beam whatever figure out what they are because i I just remembered seeing like sketchy maybe (laughs) when i sat down for the first time and at the rest of the time i was like whenever i'd hear a movement at the back i was like listening for a click or something that would be like (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) Why are you so untr- untrusting of these people? I, you just, I don't, there's been enough movie theaters that got shot, were threatened about getting shot mm-hmm. that I guess unless I'm seeing Clifford in the movies, <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit bummy of who's behind me. I guess we should just go you all think, watch Clifford. You think the shooter like wants to watch a bit of a good movie first before he, before he, before he starts? Yeah, only go to starts? good movies. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, that's why he's likely at Yoker because he wants to see a bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> I don't know you, just gotta hope you that always seem to you always seem to fear the least likely thing so I know yeah. no, that's fair man that, that, that seems on brand for you <laughs> that's gonna become there's there's like some I don't know if it's a stereotype but uh, I've heard comments of people who are like oh I only like to sit in the corner of the room so I can see who's going in and out <laughs> I, I definitely like, don't subscribe to that but you're I like on your the way. corner of the room because you're kind of nestled snug. You're yeah snug, you're yeah. really snug but well nevertheless yeah to back to your point yeah going to the movies was fun yeah it was nice to just be back there kind of felt regular yeah also everyone I had my mask on because I wasn't eating anything I was surprised you kept it on honestly but it was just everyone went everyone went uh, future mask off you kept it like you kept it you don't have to keep it on though you're Mowen, yeah. I guess you can. I wasn't eating though, but you, I don't think you have to keep it on. Period. I don't know. I just you just did chose to. Sure. Uh, was it was that a little bit off putting? No, the no, fact no. that no, okay. no, no, I didn't even realize it. Like once yeah. you have it on for a while, it goes away. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but the movie was awesome. And actually, I was thinking about it 
Uh, did I message you? I'm not even sure. I was thinking about it over the past few days. Where I'm yeah. like, that movie was fucking great. Yeah, no, I like, like, yeah, it yeah. was really yeah, good. Yeah. Did you can't wait for the next one. There's like, a next one, eh? A sequel. There's okay. three. Yeah. Wow. Did you guys like the the viewing experience? Because what? Big screen, loudspeakers. Like, does, is that viewing experience better than the one you have at home? Well, I think it's just as good as it's just what I want to do. Okay. I, I want to be there. You want to watch a movie? Yeah, at yeah, the theaters. Right. No, I, 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 that makes sense. Actually, it's a, a purposeful a, outing. A couple of points to bring up. That's a good question. Uh, a, you might have heard that like the 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 screen is what threw me off. Yeah. So viewing experience, I still like I still like a, a large screen. It just I don't know. I get I guess I got accustomed to not projector like viewing. Uh, speakers that was great. Obviously, loud music is really big. And another thing I've 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 realized about what makes going to the movies is. The, the the lights off big screen speakers is the movies, right? And I started to realize I can incorporate a nice experience to anything at home too. Like there's a like when I use my computer at my home, I use it, you know, casually and however I might use it. But what's what's stopping me or anyone from like hell, lights off, ambient lighting in the background, good 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 setup, like good you can improve it to the good point where setup. we're going to sit down and it is an experience mm-hmm. in and of itself. You can you can take that to you can take that to your home couch and then you can even go farther and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a movie viewing experience. You can pimp out your kitchen so that cooking in the kitchen feels like you're in a cooking show. Mm-hmm. You can pimp out your I don't know, your work desk so that working feels like you're in a library with money. <laughs> Obviously, money. obviously, money. money is involved. But um, for example, fixing your work desk so it feels like you're at a library—that's a sun lamp, hundred bucks. That's a desk. That's a desk plant, twenty dollars, and that's uh, a certain type of lighting, thirty bucks. That's money that I'd say I won't have till I'm forty. Desk lamp home lighting. Movie? I, I, I won't be able to justify a desk lamp purchase until I'm forty. Oh, I think. What <laughs> you're the kidding. Fuck, a desk lamp's twenty bucks. Because it's just—it's not a good. You don't uh, care. Uh, you just don't care about a desk lamp. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's the difference. But yeah. on a young salary, it's just not a good purchase. <laughs> like For you. Period. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I disagree. Because I live my, in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my point there was, by changing, by changing the environment, you can improve the experience. And 100%. by improving the experience, you can enjoy it more. And if you enjoy studying more, for example, you're likely to do more of it. That's just facts. Yeah, yeah that's facts. Hand in that's hand facts. in hand in hand. That's facts. I mean, that's just not true. <laughs> that's just that's not true. true. <laughs> I enjoy true. sitting at my desk more. I'll enjoy procrastinating more. I won't enjoy studying more. Okay. You enjoy golf more. Why? Because you got a new set of irons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was you her enjoy- totally different <laughs> thing. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. You'd enjoy your desk more if you got a new desk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would just, that's just facts, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's just I'm still so under the impression that like this like don't get me wrong golf clubs definitely have improvements and there's definitely better ones than others but at a certain level of player it's all so negligible <laughs> no it's yeah they are dumb That's, level differences uh, sure okay. I, okay I will say that just because I did change clubs this year and when I hit the ball well I could see a significant difference in a lot of things I went further and that's the difference between like right off the rack one of the like the cheapest clubs sets of clubs they had and like a mid-tier set, set of clubs so and yeah. it's There's i understand a difference, yeah but you're not gonna sh- like shave strokes i don't think from getting new clubs i hit it further and the ball flight was better if i were playing better more consistently <laughs> then i would have shaved <laughs> if strokes. i was better i would be better <laughs> yeah <laughs> that makes sense that makes like sense. a good day a good day with bad clubs is still better than a bad day with good clubs but okay, well, a good day with good I, clubs is better than a good day with bad clubs i'd That's say true. i'd say 
you can remove clubs from that equation. You just had a good day or you had a bad day. I think it's two strokes. Unless you, I think, unless I, got, I, think great, I could get two strokes in the bag. Unless you have great that. consistency and therefore you're probably a really good player, you can find so much more out of a better club. Yeah. I think that's what it is right now. And yeah. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to Oh no 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 it's fine. I'm still happy with the purchase. There you go. <laughs> and I didn't really spend any money. It was benefits back in the benefits. Days. Boom. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Dude, like everything Yeah, I don't know. But that's what I mean. Like that's why I couldn't buy a desk lamp because everything <laughs> costs fucking money. And it's like this desk lamp, that's one one thousandth of a down payment on a condo. So it's like, <laughs> boom, I can't afford it for that reason. Everything is chipping away condo money. Or fun money. Or fun money. And I don't want to give up either. <laughs> nice. So lamp money is just going to have to wait. Yeah. It's honestly like you don't really get to have fun doing any sort of purchase until you're 45. Do you want me to surprise you with something, Teddy? Sure. You know how expensive it is to actually decorate your condo <laughs> your condo Jesus Christ. mine's gonna be pretty to undecorated furnish it? yeah no but even the most basic furnishing is very expensive even ikea down is a couple of racks <laughs> <laughs> yeah ikea I- desk lamp yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks just so you can see at night no the, it comes with electricity <laughs> oh, I see yeah it comes with it comes with it doesn't know <laughs> yeah. you have to pay for it that's so dumb <laughs> doesn't even come with electricity let's switch worlds to the no electricity world <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> what's it called i still think like what i would furnish my condo with if i were to move in right now candles are cheap no definitely not those because okay. they're renewing you have to keep buying them and your room smells weird um, <laughs> but i would get like table for the common room chair in an l shape that's expensive wow couch in an l shape yeah. that's expensive an l couch <laughs> You're yeah, not getting but you're vibing couch. if you have an L no, couch. No, for sure. You're big vibing, bro. I'm just like, you're going to have to recoup the purchase. That's with the modern woman. I get oh, okay, them L okay. couch. Yeah, let's go. Um, Jam. And then... <laughs> and then... Uh, big check. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> and then, what's it called? Bed. I think I can bring my own. Mine's probably still fine. Yeah. Fucking... A few chairs. And that's what you need. <laughs> I think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I think you got it. Sick, dude. Yeah, because they come with like an island already, probably. Probably. probably they probably yeah. come with a table probably. or some something. Put your plate down on. Nice. To nice. Eat. Yeah, it's good shit. This is so barren. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, at the end of the day, I've never really walked into a place. And it looks weird when you don't have pictures on the wall. I will. I agree with that. But I've never really been like, I'm missing a picture on my wall. So No, but there's the difference between having a home that's lived in and having an L couch, a table, <laughs> And a bed in your in your bedroom. <laughs> a seating area. Yeah. It's What's like a the difference? It's like a, yours is like a waiting room, and yeah, someone has a TV. No, well, I have a I have a plate left out. Now it's lived in. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, actually, like, I can't necessarily knock you for it. It's expensive purchases. If people don't want to buy, make expensive for purchases, sure, man. then yeah, for sure. more power to them. Save money. <clears throat> Also, the good thing is my parents will be downsizing right at the exact same time I'm downsizing. So some extra what furniture. What a coincidence. I yeah. need a couch. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect, man. Yeah. You're going to have to lug that uh, that downstairs couch upstairs again. I know. That was actually... Yikes. It was actually one of like the, it was, it was two horribly unthought about things. One was our, my basement had the worst setup in the world (laughs) where the fifth guy who got in was standing to hang out with me (laughs) in the past, in the past. Yeah. yeah. And, and my dad was like, my dad's friend was like, yeah, we have a, like a leather sectional. We're getting rid of it. And my dad's like, we don't want that. Like, and I was like, dad, we want it. And and then, uh, that back door you have though, by your kitchen makes the whole process so much easier because you can just 
go straight out the back door. And we didn't do that. We went, <laughs> we went in through the front. Fuck. So, <laughs> so wrong. And then my dad was like, oh, okay, Ty, can you take a, a, like a break from studying and do it? And I was like, yeah, I have five minutes. It takes like an hour. It's really hard it to move really around. Time, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit, man. But you got a sectional now. Mm-hmm. Sick, sick. Awesome. All and right. I still sit in the same chair. Do we wrap? I think we wrap it up. Okay. And uh, get our first victory. Yep. Nice. Oh, yeah. Soccer wins. Cam, oh, yeah. Cam tried to ver- like promise a win tonight. Wow. Which was a bold statement. Well, we'll tell you guys next week. Uh, like, when you leave the house, what do you think is going to happen? Like, win, score, anything? I mean, now I'm under the impression we might not win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get that sense, you know? No, but like, what do you actually think when you leave the house? I, I, what do you mean? I think I'm about to play soccer. I, I'm excited to play soccer. It's going to be a lot of hard work. I'm going to feel really exhausted. And it's probably going to be fun. I don't really care. I don't think a lot about winning or losing. Okay. Because yeah. I'd say, like, I don't, I, I don't think about winning or losing at all either. Um, and I do tend to go, like, fucking do skill moves tonight. <laughs> like, do them today. <laughs> and then I get on the field. And you just score. So lame. Instead. Oh. Fucking yeah. lame shit. No, when I get on the field and I get the ball, I just get so bummy of like <laughs> fucking over our team that it's like... That's the difference. And I think that that's the biggest psychological element of the thing is like when I play soccer, I just try not to fuck up (laughs) rather than trying to do something good. And trying not to fuck up means the best I can do is pretty bad. And it's (laughs) it's horrible. Yep, yep, that's it. That's the difference. Team sports. (laughs) The don't fuck up mentality. (laughs) Because it's like if I'm just trying not to fuck up and on an individual team, nice, you shot 95 today. Like I'm trying to score. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you go. I guess we'll update them on uh, whether Ted fucked up or whether he did any skill moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, tune in next Fucking week. Fucking up last out. week led to a goal. Oh. <laughs> All right, we're cutting that. See you guys. See you later. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.